For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And all of those joining us live from wherever you are joining us around the world, good morning to you and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I am today's host, Dave Manouk. He's my main man, Ezzy Ginsberg, and we've got, oh, Ezzy's for some reason got no audio, but he's muted. But we've got two hours of Jets Moose talk coming your way. I don't know if as he hit the mute button on his mic by accident. I think we're good now. Now he's good. Now the main man is ready to talk. And we'll have Kelly Moore up with us at 930 to give us some Jets insight as he's been at training camp for the last two weeks of CJOB 680. And then, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose, Daniel Fink, will join us to give us some insight on Moose training camp, which has now been underway for a few days. So let's uh, kick things off. As how you doing? I'm good. We're getting closer, right? Like, it seems like it was just yesterday that we were talking about the start of training camp, and now we're less than a week from the first regular season game against the Flames, right? So, yeah, things are going well. Nice to be back to the the two most handsome members of Illegal <laughs> Curve, Drew's down in Hotlanta with the boys, so hopefully uh, a few of them are, are tuning in down south. They're going to go check out a NFL game, a college football game. I think maybe a baseball game as well. I'm yeah. not sure who the Braves, the Braves are playing, but um, we know that the the Blue Jays are out, even though you know I'm still wearing the hat. I'm still a, a Jays fan. We won't get into that because that was just, uh, it was just depressing. If you're a Jays fan, it's just depressing at this point, right? Like they just, mm-hmm. year after year, I mean, the, the, the offense is, I know, a big problem. You know me, Dave, I'm a fair weather Blue Jays fan. I'm not as hardcore yep. as, as you and Drew are, but I know you know the Jays situation well enough to know that uh, the, both the coach and the GM, um, you know, their jobs might be in jeopardy. But we're here to here to talk about hockey. Thankfully, here to talk about the Jets uh, and the Moose. And uh, yeah, let's let's get going because I don't even know if we have enough time to to cover everything because there's a lot of moving parts, as you know, right now with this Jets team and some of these injured bodies. Well, it's interesting because I was going back and looking, uh, preparing for this show today and, and thinking about all the things that have transpired since our last show. And it's amazing what happens when, you know, the beauty of those post-game shows as is that sometimes we don't necessarily just talk about the Jets games themselves, but we get a chance to talk about some of the things that are going on in Jets land. So we have, you know, pretty much every second day we're, we're in conversation about the Jets here on our Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Be sure, by the way, that you've hit that subscribe button, of course. But the interesting thing to me is when it's been a week, a week is a lot. It's like a lifetime, especially during training camp when so much is going on. And of course, let's uh, start with the biggest news of the week. And that was, you know, flashing back to that Thursday night Jets game, the final preseason exhibition game, exhibition game of the preseason with the Ottawa Senators in town. I don't know what Ottawa has about injuring Jets defensemen, but they did it on the Friday before in Ottawa with Elias Salomonson, and now they, of course, do it with Ville Hainol. No intent to injure in this one. It's just an unfortunate um, incident along the boards, but it, of course, as soon as you saw it, you knew it wasn't good. Hainol's reaction was uh, pretty brutal. And you could see he couldn't even get off the ice. And then when they showed him walking to the tunnel or hobbling to the tunnel, you knew it wasn't good. And then we realized the severity of it, Ezzy, because Rick Bonus came out and said, 
it's not good. It's not going to be short term. So we knew right then and there. And it's amazing. I was never I was a good high. sign, right? Like, no, a lot of the time, you know, we've been covering this team for all 13 years. And anytime, a lot of the time, you know, whether it was Paul Maurice or Claude Noel, usually they're just going to say, you know, we'll have to wait until tomorrow to find mm-hmm. out more. Right. So whenever, mm-hmm. and anybody who, like you said, Dave, anybody who was watching, you know, the Jet Sens game or who watched the replay could tell that, you know, this was going to be serious. But when, Rick Bonus comes out and says, you know, this isn't going to be short term, it's going to be long term. And then we found out yesterday, obviously, that it was going to be, you know, eight to 12 weeks. So, um, yeah, I think it was pretty obvious to most people that, you know, that was going to be a serious injury injury for Hainola, which is really unfortunate because it looked like he was going to make the team. Well, and, and that to me is the, the interesting comments and what a difference 12 hours can make. You know, just before 11 a.m. on Thursday, Rick Bonus was asked by Scott Billick as to whether he is, Hainola has essentially secured his spot. And Bonus's response in part said, he's done everything he can to make this hockey club. Okay. And, and you know, obviously we know about his waiver exempt status and, and the Jets may have had to have made a decision for, with respect to Declan Chisholm or Logan Stanley as to which of the two they were, potentially going to send down and possibly lose on waivers because neither of them are waiver exempt like Hainola. But it seemed like everything we've seen from this camp, whether it's in practice at hockey for all center or in games is that Billy Hainola has done more than enough to make this hockey club. So that was at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then, as I just said, as a few minutes ago, it's not good. It's not going to be a short-term injury from the head coach. And of course, yesterday afternoon, after this jet skated at 1230, we had a chance to talk to Rick Bonus again, and his comment was that Villa Hinola had fractured his ankle and that they didn't have a timeline. He said surgery was a possibility, but they hadn't determined, the player hadn't determined, I guess, what route he wanted to take. And as a result, Rick Bonus didn't have a definitive answer as when it came to how long he was going to be out. But what he did say was that it's 8, 10, or 12 weeks and that they're sending Hinola back to Finland in order to be with his family and his friends to heal up kind of, you know, try and recover from the Which mental. Which makes a lot of sense. Like, well, I mean, you know, he's got to have what the is mental. He, what is he going to do in Winnipeg, especially when the team goes on a little bit of a, a long road trip, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just super unfortunate, right? Like, look, at there there are a lot of defensemen in the Jets uh, picture right now, right? Like, yeah. we've talked about Logan Stanley. We've talked about Kyle Capobianco, who is injured. We'll get to that in a second because IR is always a possibility for him and Nick Ehlers, right? Mm-hmm. But anybody who, who's been following training camp, and you know, I got to give you a ton of credit, Dave M, because you've been there, if not every day, you've been there almost every single day, mm-hmm. and you've been watching Hainola, and, and especially watching him in the preseason. I mean, he's done everything that is, has been required of him. You know, he looks stronger, he's skating better, he looks more confident. That's the thing that stood out for me, Dave, in training camp and preseason, He's a more confident defenseman, right? Like we've known the skill set is there since he mm-hmm. was drafted back in 2019, right? Yeah. And he spent parts of three seasons with the Moose. And and we talked about this back in early summer. Like training camp was going to be probably bigger for Hainola than other players because he's trying to crack into that top six with Dylan Sandberg establishing himself on that left side. So it looked like you know, Hainola was going to be one of the eight defensemen because for those who don't know, the Jets roster has to be down to 23 before Monday and we mm-hmm. expect there to be two defensemen and one forward. Um, As the so, so it looks like Axel Janssen Fialbi for now, unless Ehlers plays, will be part of those 13. And then David Gustafson, quote unquote, got the 13th forward spot, right? Yeah. So it's just really unfortunate for a young defenseman who looked so good 
And even though Bonus wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't confirm that Hainola had made the team a couple days ago. Right. I think it's pretty safe to say, Dave, that that Hainola was sticking up with the Jets at least to start the season. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think that, you know, for folks who are, are, are saying that Hainola is too small, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I watched the kid play. Um, I, I Look, this wasn't an injury because he was too small. This could have happened to Brendan Dillon. It could have happened to anybody. Look, Dylan Samberg, is Dylan Samberg too small? I mean, if you if folks really no. want to, well, he's not right. Dylan Sandberg, big boy, well, he's six foot two or six foot three, right? So. But he's a solid no, that's not kid, small. and he's solid, right? And the point I'm making is that Dylan Sandberg, you know, in in day one of training camp in 2021, 2022, you know, going up in a play against Johnny Kovacevic, you know, got uh, sustained a high ankle sprain. So I mean, the fact of the matter is that got big guys, little guys, and all size guys, including Ezzy and I could sustain an injury in any way, in any capacity. Well, so and, and the he, fact that Villanueva is a smaller guy, I, I know I, I'm just saying like, it doesn't, that doesn't impact his ability to Brandstrom and, and Eric Brandstrom's not six foot seven either, right? Like Eric Brandstrom is what you would kind of call a not undersized. No, he's, what is he? Six feet, six one. I mean, that's like that, kind though. of the same. He's not that much taller than Hainola, if, if anything, right? So look, Hainola, it was a, an aggressive play in the last game of preseason mm-hmm. and than it was for Brendan Dillon or, you know, Neil Pionk, who's already made the team, right? So this whole conversation of undersized to me is a little bit overrated. Like, do you need big defensemen in the playoffs? Yes. If you look at the the teams that have been successful, yeah. Vegas, you know, St. Louis, Colorado, yeah, they've got, you know, defensemen that are six foot two, six foot three, six foot four. And the Jets do have a couple of those big guys. We talked about Dillon and obviously Logan Stanley, who looks like he's the eighth defenseman right now. Or at the very least, he hasn't cracked the top six. But look, Hainola, it's up. Like, I always look at defensemen like, like, you know, I'll go back to a a former devil, Brian Rafalski. Or you look at a guy like Tori Krug on the St. Louis Blues before that, obviously, on the Bruins. Right, Dave? Like, you have to learn how to use your size effectively. Yeah. You can you can be a productive defenseman in the NHL and be five foot eleven or six feet. Look at a guy like Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk's not six foot seven. He's only five eleven, six feet. And he handles himself. Or Josh Morrissey is another guy. He's only six feet, right? And so, Nolan Morrissey are the same size. Right. The only difference is that Morrissey's a more a more substantial player, like in terms of he's filled out more than Hainola has. And Hainola's bulk definitely bulked up this summer. But it's it yeah, he's still he is what he is. And look, you you can say whatever you want, but the fact of the matter is that the Jets need someone. Remember, I, I don't disagree with the logic that you need big defensemen, but the Jets don't have those big defensemen right now. They have you know, guys like Morrissey and DeMello. And so you can, you can suggest that it's, it's no, he's Hainola's, but Hainola's an effective player. That's the key. So, so again, like I said, I'm not anointing, you know, Billy Hainola as Bobby Orr. I'm not doing that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm saying that having watched this kid play in the AHL every game and having watched this kid play uh, throughout the course of this training camp story practice and play, I could say that confidently that he's effectively an NHLer. He really is. I mean, again, I'm, I, is he a top pairing NHLer? No, I'm not saying that. But could I th- see him effectively playing? And look, he's transitioned over to the right side. He's done it pretty well. And it's one thing we talked about with Nate Schmidt. And Nate Schmidt, you know, when he went to Washington, the left side, he's a left shot guy, but the whole left side was was locked in Washington. Coach asked him if he can play the right side. He said, I sure can. Because yeah, he knew he had to adapt. And so Hainola's doing the same. And you don't want to take my word for it. Again, like I've talked to people who are in hockey who all agree that Hainola's had an exceptional camp. So it's not just two guys who 
are, you know, whatever you want to say, waving Hainola pom-poms. I'm talking to guys who, you know, are in the organization who have seen what this kid has done and, and feel that he deserved a, a chance at the NHL level. So uh, to me, again, sorry, as I just finish up, I just think that it's, it's an unfortunate situation and it's worth mentioning because of the fact that Hainola has done, done it. The whole point of this training camp was to see what Hainola was able to do and whether he'd be able to do, crack the Jets lineup. And I just, I'm just simply saying he did crack the lineup. Unfortunately for him, it's going to be till probably 2024 before we see him again. Well, and before this injury happened, as you know, Dave, we would have been talking about, you know, has Hanela done enough to push himself into the top six? Not right. just cracking the opening right night 23-man roster, but like you said, because of his ability to play on the right side, like, could Nate Schmidt have been the odd man out, right? Like, he was dealing with that injury, yeah. now he's better, right? So that's the conversation we would have been having, right? Like, is really Hainola, you know, possibly on the left side in the in the top six? Most likely not, right? Because we know that Dylan Sandberg has established himself on that right. third pair. And then yeah. you've got, obviously, Morrissey and Dylan in front of him. So I don't know if he necessarily would have made, like, played in the, the first game against the Calgary Flames. But mm -hmm. I think at the very least, he would have been on that 23-man roster to start the season. And, and probably Logan Stanley would be the other one. I mean, I don't know, Dave. Like, that's where it would have, like... It's not a blessing in disguise. I definitely wouldn't say that because I still think you have to figure out this logjam, right? Like, is mm -hmm. Declan Chisholm, is he on the 23-man opening night roster? And I think you want to get into that as well because uh, you definitely don't want to lose him on waivers. But then, like, what, what's the situation with Logan Stanley, right? Like, is Logan Stanley going to play, you know, is he going to basically be in the press box the whole year? Are they going to waive him? Are they going to look to move him? Like, even with Hanola's injury, Dave, what I'm saying is there still is a logjam on the back end. No, you're absolutely right. And let's let's move on from the the injury to Billy Hainola and move on to what you've just touched on a couple times, Ezzy, that idea of a 23-man roster. Because the Jets had 28 yesterday morning. They moved to 27 because they put Parker Ford. We should probably talk about Parker Ford a little bit, who's, who's as Rick Bonus said, I didn't even know who this guy was before training camp started. And now suddenly he's on the map. And that goes to show you again what, you know, the importance of, of training camp is, I know we sometimes uh, malign it and, you know, talk negatively, oh, training camp and these exhibition games, it's too long, but it, it does something like this, which allows oh. a player who was completely off the Hold map. On. It, it, just, sorry, keep your thought, Dave. Yeah. It is too long. Did, did you not see Sidney Crosby fighting yesterday? Peyton Krebs, by the way. Like, yeah, like what? yeah, exactly. The former Winnipeg ice forward. Yeah. It is too long, Dave. But that's not changing. But like, as far as I'm concerned, there should each team should play two or three preseason games. That's it, two or three. I don't need to see okay. six or eight preseason games. So training camp is too long. I mean, you had Pierre LeBrun talking about a September 20th start, so the Stanley mm. Cup could be awarded by the end of May. Yeah, sign me up for that. Let's go. Well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that the season drags way too long. There's no question about it. I, I'm a, I've changed my opinion though, in that I, I, again, I talked to Daniel Torgerson uh, in the summer when we did that one-on-one, -on -one, the Jets 2020 second rounder. And, you know, I listened to what he had to say about the value of playing in a preseason game. And again, if the Jets are only playing two or three, none of these rookies are playing because it's going to be used for veterans to kind of get ready to ramp up for the season. So I look, I'm with you. I don't think there needs to be eight, but I think five or six are fine. And I, again, like I said, <laughs> well anyways like i said but that's I, I two or three too many dave no and it's funny because 
we do this, you know, we do this every single year, right? We talk about there's too many preseason games, and then it's like, you know, who's listening? Nobody's listening. Most hockey fans agree that six preseason games or seven preseason games, whatever it is, that's yeah. too much. Um, but nothing's going to be like nothing will change in the near future. Yeah, that that is a Ginsburg guarantee right there. The <laughs> NHL is not reducing the amount of, of preseason games. I just think it's ridiculous, right? Because you could make the argument, it's kind of a silly argument, but you can make the argument, you know, like Vili Hainala would have made the Jets opening night roster and been healthy if there wasn't mm-hmm. that extra preseason game, which to me is a ludicrous argument. Um, so I don't, I'm not really sure why I brought it up. Yeah, I'm but, like, did uh, you just bring something up and then call it's it just, ludicrous? It's, it's too long. I, I mean, like, thankfully, training camp is almost over and the season's about to begin in the Jets. I think they have both of these days off, right? If I'm not mistaken. They yeah, Saturday's right? and, 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 and they deserve it, right? Like, they've been on the ice for what 16 days now <laughs> like it's uh 17 yeah it's a it's a long preseason but you're right Dave for players like Parker Ford and you know might as well talk about him now like I mean you broke the you know the news that the Moose were signing Parker Ford out of Providence College um and I think he has looked impressive in training camp and we talked about it a little bit last week and Drew mentioned you know could Ford you know crack the top 13 I just didn't think it was unrealistic because you have a guy like David Gustafson for me, who that was his job to lose, right, Dave? Right. I so, I, I mean, Parker Ford, I think, w- would be really well served to have a full year in the American Hockey League. He's only 23 years old. Maybe if there's some injuries uh, in the Jets forward group, maybe he gets in there. And even Rick Bonus mentioned that. He he basically said, you know, not verbatim, but he said, like, you know, we're going to see this guy up with the Jets this year, yeah. which I think is very promising. He is a Brandon Tanev type of player. And so I think he could be effective in a fourth-line role for the Jets. There's no question about it. And and all I'm saying is that it's put him on the map when he wasn't on the map before. So that that has been the value of training camp for someone like Parker Ford. But the reality also is he'll go down to the moose. He'll play big minutes as opposed to being a 13th forward. And you're right. He was never going to be the 13th forward because essentially, although David Gustafson looks like he could effectively be in that top 12, but uh, right now, David Gustafson, especially with his defensive play, we saw it in Calgary uh, on the, you know, when the Jets took two early penalties, David Gustin right in there on the PK and then and he, ch- and he chipped in some offense. Exactly. Right. And that was the knock on him. And I think what kept him out of the lineup, it was essentially Dave, like Axel Janssen, Fialbi and Saku Manalainen who were keeping mm-hmm. Gustafson out of the lineup. If you think about that, right. Yeah. And, you know, so he was scoring and he's had a good camp, good preseason. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't know how much time you want to spend on Jansen Harkins. I mean, it's 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 nice that Harkins gets that chance with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but you know, the Jet there there was always the chance we focused on the defense, but there was always a chance the Jets were going to lose a forward. Look, a guy like Dominic Toninato was also on waivers. Thankfully yeah. for the Moose, he cleared, right? Because he's going to play a big role with the Moose. Um, but that's just the reality. Like you lose players on waivers, like the Senators, they put Jacob Bernard Docker, former UND defenseman. I thought somebody would claim him for yeah. sure. Like, have you looked at the Chicago Blackhawks defense lately? Like, mm-hmm. I thought on the right side, Jacob Bernard Docker would look great on the Blackhawks um, or or another team, you know, that doesn't really have a lot of D-depth. Um, so, I mean, teams lose players all the time. Um, but for Harkins, you know, it's a better opportunity for him. Yeah, there's no question about it. And it looks like he's... Uh... You know, they're enjoying him in Pittsburgh and, and the coaching staff has said very complimentary things. And, you know, it's no surprise your GM went out and got a player. So you got to you got to pump him up a little bit. But good for Jansen Harkins, one of the hardest working guys uh, we've seen for the Jets organization. 2015 second rounder that vaunted as he 2015 draft class. We were there in what was that? Was that Del Boca Vista? It was. 
Sunrise, yeah, baby. Go. Yeah. So that yeah. was uh, went to a Marlins time. game with with Weber. I don't remember who the Marlins were playing, but I do remember it was uh, Japanese Heritage Night. Yep. Or something like that. So uh, we had we got some like Ichiro Suzuki uh, swag. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that was a very fun draft. And yeah, that 2015 draft for the Jets was starting with Kyle Connor, and it, it's like it just kept getting better and better. Yeah, no, they've done exceptionally well in that. They did exceptionally well in that draft. All those, a lot, so many of those guys went on to play in the NHL, even if they wasn't necessarily uh, right now, currently for the Winnipeg Jets. But so you've got Parker Ford made an impression. The Jets, of course, lost Jansen Harkins to the Pittsburgh Penguins on waivers. I think that was on Tuesday. Lots has been happening. And now as we're getting down to the, the nitty gritty, what is the Jets 23 man roster going to look like? So as I was starting to say, you had 28. And then they put Jeffrey VL on um, waivers and he went cleared and went to the moose. Then they put Parker Ford. So that's 27. Now the injury to Ville Hainola, we know he's down. So for at least two to three months. So that takes him to 26. And then um, the question is Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Capobianco. Now yesterday at skate, Kyle Capobianco was in a yellow non-contact jersey. So he most likely would start on IR so he won't count but you can take him off the roster so that allows you to kind of make that decision a little bit later as to what you're going to do I still expect the, the Jets at this point to waive Capo Bianco so that takes you to 25 and then if Ehlers is on IR then that takes you to 24 and then of course the Jets have a third goaltender in Colin Delia who I suspect they'll put on waivers as opposed to Lauren Bressois so they'll put Colin Delia on on waivers and that would get you to 23 now the question of course becomes and we're going to have to wait till Monday to find out because as you touched on, as the Jets are off today and tomorrow doing some team building and bonding and Thanksgiving stuff this weekend. So the question becomes, if Ehlers is skating and looks good and he's with Perfetti and Niederreiter on that second line on Monday, well, the Jets are going to have to submit their roster. We'll see what they do in that regard. But if they do, then they have a decision. To me, the decision is probably Axel Janssen Fielbe would yeah. go on waivers and then your roster compliant provided all those other moves I just illustrated take place, but and hopefully me, he clears, right? Like, yeah. sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to remind everybody of my membership in the Axel Janssen Fialbi fan club. I think I might be the president actually. Okay. Um, not only does he have beautiful hair and a beautiful <laughs> Swedish name, I just think he's very valuable for this team, right? Like I, I'm not saying that Axel, like with Alex Ayafalo and Rasmus Kupari now in the Jets bottom six, Dave, I mm-hmm. think, you know, Axel Janssen Fialbi has been pushed out. Um, Meaning that if, you know, Ehlers is healthy, he would have been, let's say, the 14th forward. So if the Jets decided to keep 14 forwards, he he, he would be up with the Jets. But I, I hope he doesn't get claimed for the Moose's sake and for the Moose's sake and the Jets' sake, right? Because he can be a productive player for the Moose. But if there are injuries, and just to remind everybody, there always are injuries over yes. the course of an NHL season, a guy like Axel Janssen Fjallby, for me, is a, exactly the type of player you want to call up and plug into the fourth line, right? Gives you some energy, provides a little bit of offense. He's not, you know, Alex Ovechkin, but, right. you know, what did he have? Five or six goals last year. I just like the type of player he is, that energetic, you know, he can throw his body around a little bit, can kill penalties. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's 50-50 if he's claimed, Dave. I don't know what you think, but I, I could see a, a team claiming him, but I definitely hope for the sake of the Jets and the Moose, he isn't claimed. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that the organization signed him with the intention of, of wanting to keep him within the framework of the Jets slash Moose. And, and I think they're probably happy with, you know, maybe there were some question marks about David Gustafson, right, as to whether he would be that 13th man or, or, or higher. 
And again, I think you know, it's funny. I, I'm pretty sure there was a Ginsburg guarantee during the preseason that David Gustafson would be would score a goal. I don't know if you want to waste it. Oh, he's he, absolutely going to score a goal this year. But you I see mean, him in I, preseason. I, I, he's going to well, score. There's he's no the leading scorer. Way. I mean, he's there's the no possible he's way got, that he's he got goes three goals. another season, right? Like, even if David Gustafson only plays half of a year, he's going to score some. I, I predict he scores five goals this year. That's I my prediction. I, I, I think it's reasonable. I actually think that, you know, he was a little snake bit last year. He had some chances, but I think that there's definitely a shot that uh, we've seen a guy who is confident and is, and is ready to, you know, play. He, of course, he'd like to play all the games. And as you said, there's always going to be injuries. So to me, the, the likelihood is you're going to see that move where you'll see actually on be put on waivers and, and look at the end of the training camp, that's really where, you know, the teams all dump their guys down to the, to the minors. So to you know, most likely what we're going to see as is you're going to see, um, you know, a bunch of teams make moves, and if you don't have the space, even if you think a guy is good and valuable, you you remember you have to keep him on your roster, right? So when teams are clearing, trying to get down to the 23, it's hard for them to add unless they suffer some sort of injury. So so to me, my my expectation is the Jets will make the move, put Janssen Vielby and Delia on my on waivers, have IR for. Capo Bianco for sure. And again, Ehlers is the question mark. And then we'll see what else transpires. But it, it, it is not surprising, I don't think, the 23, other than ex- the expectation that we the Jets get to punt down the road. The big question we, we were going to have, which was, what were they going to do with the defense? Would they send Hainola down because he's waiver exempt and keep Stanley and Chisholm up? Or would they prepare to lose potentially one of those guys by sending them on waivers? Well, and, and that's the thing. It goes back to the conversation we had earlier. If Hanela was healthy, then most likely you do have to waive a defenseman. But and I agree with you. Capo Bianco makes the most sense. It's It, it would have been Capo Bianco or, or Stanley. I think we agree on that. I just don't see why you would waive Declan Chisholm. Like, the, to me, that's the last guy that you want to put on waivers. But now that Hanel is injured, you don't have to wave. So that, to me, is, is probably the biggest surprise, uh, you know, the biggest development over the last week. It's that you'll probably have to wave a guy like Axel Janssen Fialbi, but you don't have to wave a defenseman because of Capo Bianco's injury and Hanel's injury. So right. in that sense, you know, it's good for the Jets. They're not going to lose a defenseman. But again, it's not ideal that you lose Jansen Harkins, a former second-round pick, and Axel Janssen Fialbi. Obviously, you know, Harkins, you probably care about more because you drafted and developed him, right? Um, but like I said, hopefully a guy like AJF doesn't get claimed because I do think he could really help the moose. Okay. Well, we're going to head to break before we do, we're going to give a shout out to our boy, Kenny's water bottle. Uh, we're not going to do any political opinions here, but we're going to give a shout out to you for your number two thing, which is you and your colleagues at work donating 50 turkeys to the main street project. That's really great. Uh, Kenny. So thank you. You know, way to go. Kenny's water bottle. That's, that's awesome to see. No, it's really nice that you did that. And of course, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's uh, celebrating this weekend and thinking of others uh, who are less fortunate. That's always a, a nice way to to you know reflect uh, on our community. So thank you, KWB, for that uh, great donation to a really worthwhile cause that can always use more. So if you Dave, want... do you think that Drew's going to have a turducken down in Atlanta? Oh, I would imagine that Drew's going to be eating all sorts of of foods in hot Atlanta uh, this weekend. As so, we'll see. I'm sure we'll get. You know, Drew's a foodie, if you will. So we'll I'm sure there'll be some nauseating pictures of food. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy for Drew that he gets to gallivant around Atlanta and you know go to restaurants and go to bars and go to all these sporting events. While me and you roll up our sleeves and do all the hard work, we you know, holding work. down the illegal curve for it. Like, all must right. be nice for Drew to have that in his contract. I agree with you. So first, let's uh, 
head to break. You are listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Smash that like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back. And when we come back, Kelly Moore of 680CJOB will join us. Back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I am Dave Manouk. He is Ezzy Ginsberg. And we are happy to welcome Kelly Moore, Jets game host, 680CJOB. Indoors, Kelly Moore. No outdoor patio this time. <laughs> that's true. No outdoor. No studio today, guys. <laughs> well, that's true. Kelly, how are you? I am well. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I did stay up way past my bedtime, my normal bedtime last night, to watch that uh, uh, thriller that was anything but vanilla and not <laughs> vanilla. Uh, but what uh, what a football game. What a way to start the Huge. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Huge well, Bombers and, win. And Kelly, we've got to give a shout out because I saw on your Twitter, your grandson yes. was featured up on the on the Jumbotron. So maybe let everybody know what was going on there in uh, BC. Yeah, that's my uh, my youngest grandson, uh, uh, Lewin, who uh, was at the uh, hockey game with his dad and his older brother, Wellesley. And uh, it was in my old office, so to speak. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what the uh, the title name of it is. Back in the day, it was Riverside Coliseum. Uh, and I know it was Sandman Place at one point. I think it might be <laughs> South, South Central Interior Credit Union Place now. But uh, at any rate, uh, the Blazers are playing host of the Victoria Royals. And you know how they always do the uh, the cam shot of the you know mm-hmm. the smile and that sort of thing. So there's my little Lou. Uh, he's uh, about nine and a half months old. He's got the nice blue headset on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, and I'm sure the Blazers would not have uh, made the connection there, but uh, uh, it was uh, it was a proud grandpa moment for sure. They're they're getting him started early uh, in hockey, and that's probably in his grandfather's old stomping ground. So that's a nice yeah. way to, to Kelly. How are you, a grandfather? You're too, you're too young to be a grandfather. What's <laughs> going on here? Well, maybe I just hide it well, but uh, no, I am a I'm a proud grandfather of four. Uh, our two granddaughters live here in Winnipeg, and then our two grandsons uh, are in Kamloops. So yeah, I, uh, uh, they are the lights of my life. I'll tell you, uh, there's there's nothing like being a mom or a dad. Uh, but it, being a grandparent's even more special. Well, that's that's great. I'm glad you got to have that moment yesterday. Uh, Kelly. Oh, it was fantastic. It was absolutely awesome. I can't tell you how great that felt. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, let's talk about some other things that uh, you've been observing yeah. uh, at Jets training camp the last 17 days that we've been we've been at the Hockey for All Center for the most part. Maybe what are your, some of your just initial takeaways from the couple of weeks that we've been watching uh, the Jets play and practice? You know, uh, two of the better stories, in my opinion, uh, would be uh, Parker Ford and David Gustafson. Uh, I love the way, you know, and you were in the scrum yesterday, Dave, so you, when Rick Bonus said that, you know, Parker Ford wasn't even supposed to play one preseason game, let alone four, but I love it. I love it when these young guys come in against all odds, put their nose to the grindstone, and just do whatever they can to get on the coach's radar. And that's certainly what Parker Ford did. Uh, you know, he uh, made some great plays uh, in the first preseason game that he played in um, at Canada Life Center when the Jets uh, beat uh, the Edmonton Oilers five to nothing, uh, and then. You know, circumstances kind of dictated uh, whether it was uh, injuries like the one to Nikolai Ehlers or uh, illness uh, that started to uh, affect the club's numbers. And then, but it was his performance that allowed him to keep on being added to the game sheet. Uh, I thought, quite frankly, his best game uh, was the last one that he played uh, in Calgary 
when he was front and center on both of those plays on the David Gustafson goals, which, you know, there's my neat segue into uh, number 19. But the Gus bus has been rolling uh, in, in training camp and preseason. And, you know, Dave, you saw the line arrangements going into the start of training camp, and he was kind of on that so-called fifth line. And, uh, you know, he, he told us all that his goal in this camp was to establish himself uh, in that group of forwards that are going to start the NHL season. And then he wanted to cement his position. And I think he has. He's done all the things that you would expect him to do in terms of playing solid defense, uh, winning some faceoffs, and and being part of the penalty killing unit, which was very good for the Jets in the preseason keeping in mind that you've got rotating lineups all the way through that. But, of course, the other bonus is he scored three goals. You know, he had that deflection uh, in the win over Edmonton, and then he scored a couple of beauty goals, pure goals, uh, in that loss uh, against Calgary. So, uh, for my mind, uh, you know, aside from all of the challenges that have prevented the Jets from doing what they wanted to do at the outset, and A, that is, uh, you know, get their, their NHL lineup ready, and uh, as Rick Bonus pointed out, to make sure that the three ex-Los Angeles Kings, Gabriel Velarde, Alex Iafalo, and Rasmus Kapari, uh, were all uh, given the chance to feel comfortable uh, with their lines. Well, none of that was uh, able to happen due to a, a different set of circumstances. So uh, a long-winded <laughs> overview of the two and a half weeks of training camp. No, but there's lots of, of moving parts here. And yeah, you know, I, I have to ask you about Nikolai Ehlers, Kelly, because you mentioned him earlier. And yeah. I mean, every, everyone agrees that it's unfortunate that Ehlers didn't get to play any preseason games. But how surprised are you with how this injury has seemed to linger, oh. right? And and obviously, Rick Bonus said that there's a chance that Ehlers is going to play. But I mean, what what do you think the possibilities are that, you know, he he's placed on IR before Wednesday? And we're not going to know that answer no. uh, until Monday at the earliest, right, when right. the Jets off. But, I mean, it just seems like this, this injury just continues to be a lingering problem. And it doesn't – I mean, right, I told Dave right before we started the show today, it's kind of like 50-50 whether Ehlers is going to be in the opening night lineup. Yeah, I would agree with that, Ezzy, 100%. Uh, you know, and it, it's funny. You know, we kind of went through this last year with the sports hernia because, you know, there was the decision as to whether he was going to have the operation or whether rehab and maybe a little bit of rest would, would help him uh, make his way through that. And then all of a sudden, you know, holy crows, you know, he's missed 36 games after playing in only two. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that – and and here's the here's the rub. Like Rick Bonus said yesterday, that they're going to sit down as an organization and and talk about these roster decisions tomorrow, on Sunday. But they're not scheduled to have their next practice until Monday. So now maybe they're given some clarity from Nikolai that you know what I still don't know if I'm going to be able to practice or I'll be at practice, uh, you know, before making their decision on what they're going to do with the roster. Uh, but Dave and I were actually talking about this uh, in the stands at Hockey for All Center uh, yesterday you know, in terms of uh, how the Jets could maybe get down to their 23 without having uh, to risk putting anybody on waivers. And Nikolai Ehlers is part of that equation. I mean, we know Billy Hanela is not going to be able to start the year. We're pretty sure Colin Delia is going to be sent to the Manitoba Moose. Uh, and and so then if you were to put, and Kyle Capobianco was still skating in a gold jersey yesterday. 
you know. So as Nick uh, or as um, Nate Schmidt likes to call it, the, the you know the, 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 yellow, the banana. yellow banana <laughs> <laughs> or big banana or whatever it was he referred to. <laughs> so you know, there's all likelihood that you could put Kyle Capobianco on IR. If you do that with Nikolai Ehlers, you're down to your 23 and not having to risk exposing anybody uh, on waivers. So um, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been in the main practices for the last couple of days. He did skate with the extra group on the game day uh, before the Ottawa game. But, you know, he wasn't out there with them yesterday. Maybe that was scheduled. Maybe it wasn't. They're taking today and tomorrow off. And then maybe two practices would be enough. But, uh, Ezzy, if, uh, you know, you had to bet money, I think you'd have to say that it's more likely Nick would start the year on IR than he would uh, with his name on the uh, the 20 for uh, October 11th in Calgary. We're joined by Kelly Moore of 680 CJOB discussing all things Jets training camp here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Kelly, 11 o'clock in the morning on Thursday, we hear he's done everything he can to make yeah. this hockey club. 12 hours, less than 12 hours later, oh. it's not good. It's not going to be a short term injury and of course the next day Rick Bonus delivers the news that Vili Hainola is done anywhere with a fractured ankle anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks. Yeah. Now we don't need to discuss the injury so much but just what did you see from Vili Hainola's camp overall that that left you feeling good about the 2019 first rounder? Confidence, poise, being able to play with pace, uh not getting caught up in traffic, uh being uh, decisive uh, you know, with moving the puck, when to move the puck, carrying the puck uh, when when he was supposed to. It just seemed like all of the the concerns that had been uh, felt and discussed over the previous couple of years, you know, Billy would always get off to great starts in training camp and, and the preseason. But then it would be those last, you know, one or two games of the preseason where the lineups looked a lot more like NHL caliber lineups. And then you started to see those little flaws in his game. And because he was waiver exempt and because, you know, there were some question marks and, and there were proven commodities ahead of him, it, the, the decision was, you know, as Rick Bonus has said, the players will ultimately uh, perform and, and make the decisions for themselves. And in those previous preseasons, I thought Billy did that. But I thought this year he completely put all those to rest. Uh, there was... I would have been shocked if he had not been in the opening night lineup uh, ahead of Nate Schmidt uh, and just to see how he would do, keeping in mind that's another level that he was going to have to prove himself at. Uh, but uh, there was very little to not like about Billy Hainala's game uh, in uh, this preseason and training camp. And to see how that played out, uh, you know, 13 and a half minutes into the game uh, against Ottawa on Thursday night, a harmless looking play. Uh, I wasn't sure whether it was the knee or the ankle. Dave, you and I were yakking about that yesterday as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was either or. I, I was more convinced it was the knee, uh, but it turned out to be the fractured ankle. And I guess, you know, Rick Bonus, I, I listened back to the tape, Dave, and eight to 12 weeks was kind of like throwing out numbers. You know, he, he wasn't really sure. And I wonder how much. You know, we were told also that the decision would be made either yesterday afternoon or maybe today uh, as to whether Billy would require surgery. And I'm not sure how that affects the timeline uh, for when he returns as well. You know, Kelly, I wanted to ask you uh, just about, like, I know it's still really early 
and we still haven't even played a regular season game <laughs> yeah. here, even though it's it's coming up very quickly. But you've covered this team for a long time, and I just wanted to ask you what you've seen. Um, you know, no, I don't know if you want to call it the vibes, the culture, just the the overall kind of your overall impressions of of camp with a new captain and Adam Lowry, and then obviously the LA Kings that you talked about, uh, Alex Iafallo, Gabe Velarde, and and Rasmus Kupari. Like, what what? have you seen tangibly different about this team? Because obviously at this time of year, you know, every we're all wearing rose colored glasses and, <laughs> and, and, and everybody has the highest expectations, but it certainly seems like there's less baggage with this team. I realize that Shifley and Hellebuck, the contract status is, is still there, but it definitely seems like uh, a much more positive uh, training camp and preseason. It just seems maybe, I don't know, with lack of a better term, a little fresher than in previous years. Well, I, you know what, I, I might need to uh, get a little bit of the, uh, you know, the spray here to clear my glasses off because when I think about the, the Winnipeg Jets this year from everything I've seen uh, and as the preseason has progressed, um, I'm taking a more muted uh, uh, outlook on, on what I think should be expected of this hockey club. I, unlike a year ago, uh, I think it might be a case of where they have their greatest challenges at the start of the year, and then if they can remain healthy, will be a better club in the second half with the way that they're presently constructed. Uh, the biggest difference right off the get-go was when uh, the Jets announced their training camp groups, uh, and there was uh, they were separate groups. There was half the NHL or the perceived NHL lineup in one group and the other half uh, in the other. Uh, whereas the year before, uh, you know, there was <laughs> the NHL team skated uh, amongst themselves. Uh, and then it was up to the outsiders uh, to uh, wedge their way into that group. Uh, so it was totally different from that aspect this time around. Uh, clearly, uh, it's a different vibe with Blake Wheeler not here. Uh, you know, other than Mark Shifley, I can't think of anybody else who was uh, uh, in the Jets lineup on uh, opening night against Montreal back on October 9th of 2011. Uh, so that is different in itself. Uh, as for the vibe, I think it's, you know, last year when I, I'll never forget Mark Shifley said excited about 12 times during his opening media availability. It's, you know, there's not quite the same vibe uh, with the new coaching staff. Uh, and, the, and that type of thing. But with the new people in the room, I think there's an expectation that this team has started to transition from this highly skilled, uh, you know, light up the scoreboard uh, type of unit to one that's going to have to rely a little bit more on a blue collar style of hockey. And that's one of the many reasons that makes Adam Lowry the perfect choice as team captain. It, I think your captain should be uh, the beacon for how you want to play. And we all know how Adam Lowry goes about his business. So uh, I, I think the message is there uh, how I think this team is going to be different. Now, because they have so many uh, different uh, uh, moving parts, you know, and, and we talk about the three LA Kings, but let's also, you know, look at Vlad Domestnikov. And Nino Niederreiter, who came in for about the final 20 or 24 games or whatever it was after the deadline, they're getting a chance to start afresh with this hockey club. And you also have Cole Perfetti, who's moved from the wall to uh, center ice and uh, is learning that position on the fly in the National Hockey League. There's a third of your lineup. And 
Laurent Rossois would even tip the scales even further as, as the backup, although I don't, that's, that's kind of seamless. I think that'll go really, really smooth. But I just see where this hockey club, I think, is going to have to ground and pound for everything they can achieve for about the first six to eight weeks. And that's even more ramped up with how things have been delayed through this training camp. And you know, Rick Bonus has said, I'm a guy that doesn't look at excuses or solutions, but it's real. They have not been able to have the continuity for these two and a half weeks that they were envisioning. So I think that makes, you know, trying to uh, to get things uh, uh, going uh, in the right direction once the NHL season starts on Wednesday night, uh, uh, even more of a process. You know, Kelly, one of the things that we, we heard about uh, Paul Friesen of the Sun asked, uh, I think, Josh Morrissey about the pillars of this team and right. what the pillars are going to be. And, and he talked about... Everybody looking the same, everybody playing the same. And I thought, yeah. and Cal Connor also kind of reiterated that point when we spoke with him earlier this week. And I thought, you know, if you can get the guys like Cal Connor and Mark Shifley to buy into that idea yes. of defensive minded hockey a little bit more, because this team is not going to score, you know, this is not going to be one of the, I don't think one of the top five scoring teams in the NHL, but defensively, if this team can as a whole play together and play similar. And you talked about it with Rick Bonus when you talked about seeing them being more aggressive all going into the zone together in terms of their structure. So to me, I think that's one of the things that is going to be very interesting. And you just touched on a little bit in your answer to Ezzy was that idea that this team collectively now will have that under their belt and have a second year with Rick bonus and what he wants. And even Kyle Connor, even though it was funny because he talked about Rick bonus being more relaxed. And then the next day, Rick bonus was barking a lot. And so I just thought, well, you tempted fate there, Kyle, but it's that idea. I think that this team is going to look the same. And that to me, if, if you can do that, if you can truly play that team game and remove the individual element, that will serve the Jets very well, especially with, like you just talked about, that goalie tandem of Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois. Yeah, I, you know, it, it it's, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor are like thoroughbreds. You can't ask them to be trotters. You know, they it's just not in their DNA. But I agree with you, Dave. They have to, you know, sit and, and, Take a look at how hard guys like uh, Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Nino Niederreiter, Vlad Nemesnikov, and, you know, some of the other guys like, you know, that have been around for here a while here, get back into the zone and help the defensemen uh, uh, in coverage. You know, it, it can't be just pushing the play up ice all the, the same time. But, yes, you want them to kind of look a lot like each other, but I think the outlier is that number one line. Uh, you know, I just don't see how Cole Perfetti, Nino Niederreiter, and whoever it is on the left side, whether it's Nikolai Ehlers or, you know, whether everybody gets elevated up uh, by one position, how they can look like Velarde, Connor, and Shifley with how that line needs to play. There's going to be responsibility uh, to provide offense uh, from that line. But, you know, watching the game the other night against Ottawa, you know, Velarde takes his 35 to 40 second shift and Shifley and Connor are still out there. So now Niederreiter comes out and uh, halfway through uh, the, you know, the second line getting on, Perfetti and I follow. Now Niederreiter's off the ice and now, you know, somebody else is coming on. And, and so the lines are a little bit out of sync. I think that needs to be ironed out a little bit, uh, you know, for Kyle and, and Mark to, uh, you know, maybe take, take a little bit of a lead from what Velarde is doing and, and get back to the bench so that you have that continuity uh, with the lines. But yeah, there, there has to Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor 
have to be better without the puck. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I, and I think they're okay with that. Uh, as long as you're, you know, as, as, a, as a coaching staff, you're not stifling their creativity because there's a reason why they've been put on that line with Gabriel Velarde. So uh, finding the happy balance is certainly going to be uh, something uh, that they're going to work towards. I use the word process uh, for getting started out, Dave, and trying to get everybody to look and play the same style, I think, is, uh, is going to take some time. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. No, and and I think Kelly, you could probably even take it further and say that if both Shifley and Connor are you know significantly better defensively, however you want to use you know whatever metric you want to use, sure. like you know impact uh, defensively, you know let's say twenty five percent better or something like that, even fifteen percent better or ten percent, that could go a long way in you know the Jets being uh, uh, not just a wild card team but a team that finishes second or, or third in, in the central division. Right. So you're absolutely yeah. right. And we've been talking about this for years, right? Like we've talked about this with you off air and it's been talked about by fans for, for years, like, you know, how much better the jets could be if Shifley and, and Connor were better defensive players. So I think that's a huge thing. I wanted to ask you about the beginning of the season, right? Because, you know, as I was formulating the question in my head, I was like, should I ask Kelly about this or should I ask him about, you know, the D pairings? Because, um, you know, that's another thing that, you know, ask them I, both. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I could, I could probably put it into, actually, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about the, the D pairings because sure. uh, I think Neil Pionk was a guy that I, that I think, you know, most people thought had a bit of a down year last year, not off offensively, but yeah. I think more so defensively, right? Because Neil Pionk, when he first came over uh, from the Rangers, we didn't really know a lot about him. Right. And then he turned that into a, a big contract with the Jets. I think it was a five-year contract that he signed with the Jets. And I wanted to ask you, like, how do you see, like, what's your ideal top four? Because before you came on, I said to Dave, like, if Vili Hainala didn't get injured, I think we'd be talking about, you know, did he do enough to crack the top six? Or was he just going to be, you know, the extra defendant for that game? And I still think that Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk is your ideal uh, second pair with, with Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello as your top pair. But the metrics were horrible last year for Dylan and Pionk. So I don't know, do you, do you like Dylan Sandberg with Neil Pionk? You've got the you know, the Minnesota connection there. Yeah. I mean, obviously Schmitz, Schmitz from Minnesota as well, but like what, what's your ideal top four, Kelly? Let's, let's go with that. Well, you know, clearly Morrissey and DeMello uh, are going to be your top pairing on this defense uh, for this season. I don't think there's uh, any doubt about that. They play well off of each other. Uh, they uh, are both, uh, I think, very good uh, at defending against elite players. So uh, I don't think that's really going to be, and it was, it's really weird because the last couple of years, it seemed like, uh, you know, Dylan DeMello would always wind up in a third pair or uh, not with Morrissey. And, and then when the chips were down, you came back to DeMello and Morrissey and it turned out nice again, as Cactus Jack used to say. So uh, I like the idea that they've kept those guys intact. I'm in the camp where I think the better top four pair, uh, the other top four pairing is Pionk and Sandberg. And as he, I agree with you 100% on Neil Pionk, uh, and, and it was, uh, you know, more the defensive part of the game. I thought, you know, the Jets' uh, defense uh, accomplished their goals as a group last year in providing more offense. So I don't, I don't think really that's an issue. And with Neil, those first couple of years when he came over, I always use the comparison. He was, you know, uh, kind of like the, you know, the the Westminster uh, Kettle Dog Show, best in show, 
and and junkyard dog at the same time you know wearing a blue ribbon around his neck but also having a half eaten uh, pair of blue jeans in his mouth with saliva dripping out of it as well you know uh, he played that way he played with a lot of snarl in his game and and I thought that was missing uh, for parts of last year for whatever reason but saw bits and pieces of it even the other night uh, against the Ottawa Senators. So, uh, and and I just think Dylan Sandberg is ready uh, to take on a, a top four role. Uh, I know it, it's been discussed a lot. Uh, Dave and I, we've uh, talked about this uh, while we've been sitting watching training camp uh, and, and how important that was for Dylan Sandberg to play in the world championship last year for Team USA. You know, we all kind of, you know, it's it's usually the guys where they've either not their teams have not made the playoffs or have uh, not made it past the first round and you know this is kind of the consolation prize but I think we we're going to see we did see uh, during the tournament and I think this season we're going to see what kind of a benefit it can have for younger guys like Dylan Sandberg he just seems to be playing with so much confidence and you know the other night after the game in Ottawa we had Dylan on our post game show and Paul and Mitchell asked him about what his reaction was when he walked into the dressing room and he saw the A on his jersey for that game in Ottawa. And wow, his response was just off the charts. I mean, he held nothing back on how important that was to him and how it made him feel. And and I think that signifies what this franchise you know expects of him in terms of taking that next step. So I I, I feel he can add that physical element. Pionk can also add that physical element, but the two of them are both very capable uh, of playing some offense. And then that allows you, you know, to play Brendan Dillon in a third pair, whether it's with Nate Schmidt or uh, Billy Hainala. Uh, Billy's eventually going to get better. And man, I hope he's able to pick up where he left off when he does. Uh, but, you know, the, the other byproduct with Brendan, too, is, you know, he is such a value in terms of a penalty killer. And you guys know those are the hardest minutes to play. Mm-hmm. So if you can maybe cut down a little bit on his top four minutes uh, to allow him to be able to, to uh, you know, uh, play uh, in that penalty killing role. And and the thing you always have in your back pocket, if, if over the course of the game, uh, the situation calls for you to maybe uh, switch halfway through and, and maybe have Pionk and Sandberg uh, take third line, uh, third pair of minutes and uh, and Dylan and whoever his partner is going to jump up to the top four. You have that kind of flexibility. And that's basically what's been talked about uh, with respect to this roster is the versatility yep. that it has. You know, up front as well to change around the pieces. I think, you know, the guys like to call it uh, so-and-so has the blender out. Well, I think it's going to be on puree all year because <laughs> uh, this lineup allows you to do that positively, not negatively. Okay, so, so what do we have in the air fryer then, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fries? What do we got going in there? Oh, no. Apparently, apparently, Patrick Liney was air frying steaks for... Uh, yes, uh, for uh, Adam Ventilli uh, the other day. So Nice. Well, I, th- he- I think if you're an NHL player, you should really be air frying, you know, fine cuts of salmon or... Yeah fish or whatever i like is steak still a thing that the players are supposed to eat i guess so perhaps yeah. perhaps still well, high in protein right yeah, yeah exactly there you go well kelly we want to ask you one last question it's got to be about the well, it doesn't have to be about anything but i'm going to yeah. choose to make it about the goaltending situation because yeah. provided lauren brassois stays healthy and that's a question mark yeah. given his the last little bit for him but if he can stay healthy 
have has if you know found it curious the way he and Connor Hellebuck not he so much but Connor Hellebuck and the coaching staff have changed the tune a little bit because for the longest time whenever Connor Hellebuck I want to play as much yeah. as I can and blah 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 and you know and he and Fla- Wade Flair- Flaherty uh, they understand but essentially the Connor Hellebuck decision making process along with the goalie coach of the Winnipeg Jets but it just seems to me this year there's been a signaling. If it's the be- for the best of the team, I will do whatever it takes, and that mm-hmm. means if it means playing less game and giving Laurent Brassois more, yeah. you know, I don't need to get to that eighty percent of the games played this season. And I just think that to me can go a long way for the goalie since he became an NHL starter in fifteen sixteen, has played more games, more minutes, and yeah. faced more shots than any other goaltender in the National Hockey League. Well, I wonder if Connor was watching, uh, you know, that series last year with Tampa Bay when Andre Vasilevsky looked absolutely gassed, mm-hmm. allowing goals that normally he wouldn't have allowed in his sleep, uh, and and started to think, you know what, uh, maybe this uh, having a work overload uh, is is something I I need to take a second look at, and you know, it was very interesting, Dave, when he spoke to us at the start of camp. And he's, you know, everybody has this perception of me needing to play 65 games. You know, I, I communicate to the coaching staff what my needs are, but then it's up to them to decide what's best for the team. And I'll adjust to that. Uh, and the, and I think the other thing that makes it, um, more, I want to say comfortable, I guess, for him to take that approach is for the first time in his tenure as a number one netminder with the Winnipeg Jets, he has a backup that he feels very confident can carry the load for 25 to 30 games. I, I'm i looking at it with, with what Laurent Brossois has been able to add to his resume since leaving the Winnipeg Jets organization, that you can count on that guy to play anywhere between, I think, 22, 23 to, to maybe even upwards of 30 starts. Uh, for the course of the year. Now, this schedule lends itself to being able to play Connor Hellebuck a lot because there's not nearly as many back-to-backs. But let's face it, for the last couple of years, and Eric Comrie, bless his soul, did a great job uh, that one year he was given the opportunity to do it. But there was always kind of the question mark of, you know, man, we need this game. Can Eric get it done for us? And, of course, uh, you know, Dave Lowry, when he took over uh, as the interim head coach, admitted that he – probably rode Connor Hellebuck a little bit more than what he wanted to because, you know, they had to try to stay in the playoff race. But I think that this year, Connor feels more comfortable with the idea of sharing the net a little bit more. Part of that uh, might be through circumstance, but I think part of that is also, and I don't want to call it the mature, uh, the maturation process because I have always looked at Connor as one of the more mature guys on the team, but I think it's also just looking at the time and circumstance of where he is in his career and where this team is at. They're going to have to rely on defense and solid defensive play more than they ever have before. So I think that puts even more of a premium on the goaltending. And uh, with that, with as good of a one-two punch as I think the Jets have had since they relocated from Atlanta, uh, I, I think that's what we're going to see more of here this year for sure. Well, he is the Jets game host on 680 CJOB. We call him a friend. Kelly Moore, thank you yes, very much for joining us. friend status. <laughs> what? Kelly, I think you've been spending more t- time with Dave over the last couple of weeks than Dave's been spending with his uh, significant other. So I'm yeah, just thinking yeah. that, you know, Drew's down in Atlanta. I mean, we have an opening for a, a, a host. So maybe you, just, <laughs> maybe you just stay on the show for the next uh, hour. 
Well, I, you know what? I, I, and I don't want to uh, make this sound gratuitous or anything else like that, but uh, I have a ton of respect for what you guys have done in terms of your longevity and the popularity that you've developed a- along the way. And Dave, uh, you know, you cover the moose as well as anybody in this uh, market. Uh, you're always there for the Jets. I admire people with a work ethic, and man, you guys have it uh, in spades. So to be called a friend of this show is, uh, I, I don't take lightly, and I, I mean that in all sincerity. Thank that's, you, Kelly. That's we, very, we... very nice. We definitely appreciate that, Kelly, coming from you who's been a sports broadcaster for, for a long time. The check is going to be probably, you'll probably get the check next week, probably yeah. around Wednesday or Thursday, but it's, I was going to say it's 15 years in February, uh, 2024 coming yeah. up in about, what is that? Five months, uh, four months, that's going to be 15 years. So it's incredible. And, uh, yeah, Dave's been part of the show for, for all 15 years. So I'm obviously <laughs> joking because Richie left us in, in, in 2016 to, to become a pro scout, but, uh, no, that's very nice of you. Uh, to say that because uh, we love doing the show and uh, you're, you're somebody who we've always looked up to. So that's very nice of you to say that. Well, anytime fellas, uh, I, I enjoy my chats with Dave. Uh, yeah. And, and I think I probably spent more time with you in training camp than I have with my wife. Well, I don't know for sure. So, uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on guys. And, and uh, anytime you want, I, uh, I'm always happy to come on board. Thanks Kelly. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure we'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and uh, and time with the family. Will Take do. care, Kelly. I'm, Thanks. I'm gonna go back and watch the pictures of that smile of the night in Kamloops. Excellent, <laughs> excellent, excellent. That'll put a smile on your face watching that smile. So have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. There he goes. That's Kelly Moore, 680 CJOB, oh, one of the Kelly's best voices. The best. He's, he's a legend. He's, well, he's also one of the best voices in yes. in, in in all yes. of, of sport. Like yes. I, he God, has I deep, love that voice. He has. I mean, I think Paulie Edmonds has a great voice. I think yeah, Paulie does. You too. know, Dan Robertson, Dennis Bayock. Obviously, he used to be the Jets play-by-play broadcaster. But yeah, Kelly's voice is absolutely <laughs> iconic. Well, we'll end with Spenty's comment here. We had Kelly Moore. Now we are Kelly less. So uh, that's okay. uh, that's our signal to go well, to maybe, break. Maybe we can put up a picture of Kelly Bundy. That that's true. Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Yeah. Or Kelly. What about Kelly Kapowski? Yep. Yeah. There's lots, lots of Kelly's. Saved by the bell. Options. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, little, little saved by the bell. All right, let's hit the break. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm Dave Manuk. He's Ezzy Ginsberg. Make sure you smash that like button and hit the subscribe as well. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at rumorscomedyclub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com. Hey, Drew. 
Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza lives for the big moments. Whether the season is just starting or coming to an epic end, from nerve-wracking ninth innings to OT winners, playoff buzzer beaters to Hail Mary miracles, BP is the best place to watch the game if you can't be at the game. Great food, ice-cold Sub-Zero Coors Light, and friends. And the best part? Season seats are free. Grab your crew and cheer on the good guys at Canada's favorite sports bar, Boston Pizza. Gather round. Must be legal drinking age. Please drink responsibly. We did it again. You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zappia of Zappia Group Realty. Get started at zappiagroup.com. Dave M., you're currently muted. I was currently frozen, Ezzy. That wasn't, it wasn't that I was muted. I was frozen. I thought it was uh, going to be the Ginsburg show there. It was time. about to be the Ginsburg minute. I had to turn the, uh, the, the fire off. I want to make sure that I'm going to have to fire up the uh, internet a little bit because uh, some, there was a doings that transpiring. <laughs> I was panicking. I was trying to turn the commercial off and get us back to the broadcast. But unfortunately, it was like, you're having trouble connecting. And I was like going to yell down, like, Ez, it's, yeah, it's, it's all it's, you now. It's fine, Dave. I just would have probably sang, like, call me maybe uh on repeat until you came back because that's my favorite song so i would have just probably done a little karaoke and then uh we would have got back to talking jets all right well we are back here on the illegal curve hockey show i'm fireless as you can see above me but that's fine as long as we've got we've got the stream rolling and as and i are here talking about all things winnipeg jets manitoba moose uh training camp underway for the jets they of course have had 17 days of training camp a couple days off in between and they are on a day off today I believe fishing is uh, what Paul Friesen put out there on the interweb. And uh, so they're fishing somewhere in Manitoba uh, as a team bonding experience. So what would they be catching? Like, is it, I feel like it's probably the uh, greenbacks. They're probably going after greenbacks is my guess. Coming up from Lake Winnipeg, the walleye run, the greenback run is happening. So I suspect that is what they're going to be targeting. We'll find out. Maybe those will be the hard hitting questions we ask on Monday as what kind of fish they, I only really know the fish that are out, you know, on Lac de Bonnie, like bird river, like, you know, so the normal kind of Jack, you know, smallmouth bass, walleye, uh, that type of thing. Like, I don't, I don't catch the big ones like you, Dave, like I'm not going after the big sturgeons. (laughs) Well, you can't target sturgeon right now. The season is over for targeting sturgeon, but, uh, Anyways, let's talk about the season that is beginning. So as we said, the Jets are on a day off. The Moose are having an inter-squad game. I think at 11, we'll be joined in 20 minutes by the voice, the play-by-play voice, and the head of communications for the Manitoba Moose, Daniel Fink. He's going to join us in 20 minutes to talk all things about the AHL Club of Winnipeg. I promised that there would be extended Manuk Moose minute time, as he so that's how I will get my fix by talking to Daniel about the Moose with you in 20 minutes. So until we do, let's keep things rolling here, talking about, I thought for sure, by the way, that you were going to play the Manuk Moose minute bumper, 
Like I thought that was I, it. It looked like you had those little fingers moving. I thought that you were going to maybe hit that early. <laughs> I mean, Dave, Drew's not here right now. We can talk about the moose uh, for for before Finker comes on. Like for sure, that's, for that's sure, completely fine. Like you're in control right now, Dave. Like you've I got, agree, you've got the codes. Well, I mean, generally speaking, I agree. But the problem is when I went to do the when I went to get us out of commercial, like my computer was was not was not agreeing with me. So maybe that was Drew working remotely from uh, Hotlanta trying to impact this show but we won't allow him to impact the show as the show will roll along this is of course the illegal curve hockey show i'm dave manuk he is ezzy ginsburg and we are talking all things jets and jets training camp but one of the biggest storylines we've touched on it a little bit ezzy but one of the biggest storylines has to be the health and welfare of nikolai ehlers i mean day one of camp uh in the gym not even something that occurred on the ice uh you know something was was working out something i think he said he's done a million times and uh, next day, dealing with something called neck spasms is what we were told. And it has impacted him consistently now for the last 17 days or, well, actually more, almost almost 20 days now uh, with him being on the ice and off the ice. So to me, what the question is, like, what if you're the Jets, are you going to do? I mean, you've got this uncertainty around a player that you really need. I mean, if this Jets team is going to make any noise, Nikolai Ehlers has to be one of the biggest drivers of that bus. And right now, you don't even have him you know, expect that we don't know, as you said, as he, it could be a 50, 50 shot as to whether we see him in that opening night lineup. Right. And obviously like the jets forward group, aside from Ehlers is, is healthy, right? Like Perfetti. Right. I mean, if the jets didn't have Cole Perfetti as well, right. Cause we thought that there was a chance there might be a concussion mm-hmm. after, after that hit. I forget who, uh, I mean that again, I agree with Drew, what Drew said. Yeah. Pospisil. Is there a Not tennis, the tennis player? player? I was going to say there's a tennis player with that yeah. last name as well. Right. Yeah. He's Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Pospisil, I mean, I don't know how you don't get at least one game or something for that. Like, again, I don't want to, you know, go back in, in time. Like, I mean, that happened over a week ago, um, but it was a dirty hit. So I'm just going to put that. I'm on the record as saying that that was something that I think that he should have faced some discipline. Uh, but it's just nice that Perfetti's back and, and healthy uh, because that look that could have been, I think you would agree, worse um, than than initially or sorry, it could have been, um, you know, worse just based on the, the head contact, right? So I think, look, Ehlers, the Jets can still beat the Calgary Flames next Wednesday without Ehlers. The thing is, like, you've got Florida coming up. You've got L.A. coming up. Like, the Jets' start to the schedule is not the easiest. You've got the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are going to be in town, right? Four of the first five games were against playoff teams last year, right? So again, like, it gets a little bit easier because you've got, I think, Detroit the following week at home. Or no, you've got St. Louis at home, and then you've got Detroit and Montreal. So Detroit and Montreal, I mean, those are if you want to be a playoff team, Dave, you have to beat a team like Montreal. Detroit, I think, isn't going to be uh, – I mean, they're a decent team. I don't know if they'll be a playoff team this year, but I digress here. What I'm saying is, I mean, it's one thing if Ehlers misses the first game of the season. Um, I'm going to be a lot more concerned if he misses three, four, five games. And it's not just because the Jets need a healthy Ehlers to be successful this year. It's because – you want to see how that second line, that new look second line is with Ehlers, Perfetti, and Niederreiter. So a guy like Alex Ayafalo, he can fit in admirably on the second line. Or even if you needed like a Vlad Nemesnikov to step up and, and play on that second line. It looks like it's going to be Ayafalo for now, right, Dave? Based on the line combinations in practice. But yeah, it's not good. Um, but again, I, I'm more concerned about the long-term health. I'm not fixated as much, Dave. I mean, I know that we're all gearing up for the Jets Flame game on Jets Flame. We're going to be there not just for the post game show, Dave, but we're going to be there 
for the entire game. So Spencey's already asking about beers. I mean, Spencey, we're going to ha- have at least 10 fishbowls each to answer your question. Well, and as, as he tell Dallas where we'll be. Yeah, so Dallas, we will be at BP Taylor. So it's not a secret. So, uh, that's very close to, it's across the street from Grant Park High School. It's, uh, I forget the, the street, but it's on, it's on Taylor. And obviously it's BP Taylor. <laughs> it's close to, uh, it's like around, right around the uh, Pan Am Pool. If you know where Pan Am Pool is, it's very close to there or Grant Park High School. BP Taylor next Wednesday, Illegal Curve will be there. We're going to be there watching the whole game between the Jets and the Flyers, pardon me, Jets and Flames. Let me get the game right here. Uh, And then we're going to be broadcasting live. So come say hi. We're going to have specials. We're going to have giveaways. We'll have some IC merch, I think, Dave, to give away. It's going to be Drew, Dave, and I there. So we're looking forward to it. But getting back to Ehlers, Dave, yeah, that's not good. I mean, you obviously want Ehlers in the the opening night lineup. um, But I just hope that it's not anything where he misses more than a game if he does miss a game. Because we want to, we need him. We want to see him with Cole Perfetti and Nito Niederreiter on that second line. But thankfully, the Jets' forward depth allows them to plug a guy like Alex Iafalo into the lineup. Um, I'm going to be very uh, interested to also see, like the third line to me has been a little bit underwhelming. And I'm not sure, like, you know, I realize you've had to move guys around and Alex Iafalo, in theory, could be on that third line. But I've been a little bit underwhelmed by Mason Appleton. And I realize that he was dealing with an injury, right, Dave? But I think on this team, Mason Appleton's, oh, we lost Dave there. So this is the official Ginsburg experience. I think this might be the first time that I've done a solo show. Oh, okay. Thankfully, it was only about six <laughs> or seven seconds. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, Dave, but that was definitely too much Ginsburg on one screen. Wow. That was, I was like, I was about to start texting you. I was like, oh God. I'm like, I tried responding and I'm like, I can't hear myself. Well, we're going to have to have a little chit chat with Shaw. I was, I was about 10 uh, or 15 seconds away from starting to sing. Call me maybe. <laughs> well, that's when you had, you invite uh, Spency into the show and you guys just start, uh, you know, doing some sort of duet or whatever, because, uh, whew, we, uh, we avoided, we had a, we had, a, as they used to say on Jersey shore, we had a bit of a situation there. Uh, thankfully things well, are, and, are, and it's amazing, Dave, in those five to 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, that it was just me, our viewers went down like 75%. It was crazy. You wouldn't think it would happen that quickly, but uh, we obviously know who the most popular member of IC is. I mean, it's I've already always known that, but uh, well, it's clearly Dave M. We're, we're taking this chastising from Joe from Winnipeg. Uh, seriously, you guys have to be hardwired to your router. Stop using Wi-Fi. Joe, you're oh, absolutely... Joe, Joe needs to stop using those big technical terms. Like, I, I know how to turn my computer on and off. That's about it. I know how to restart it. But like he's using these big words like hardwired and router and yeah, like, Mindell's always Mindell's always saying that to us too. You guys got to stop using the Wi-Fi, which is not actually the the worst part. Joe is that as he's literally three feet away from the uh, the router box. So I mean, there's no no excuse for as he not being hardwired in. I'm upstairs, so I mean, there's a little. I've got a little. I'm just lazy and I don't want to run the the wiring. Like, but. I, like I see is forty year old Jewish guys. Like like we're not IT experts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like we're still using Napster and and MySpace. So. I mean, it's uh, LimeWire. You're, you're dealing. You're dealing with guys that you know are just lucky that you know we get a whole show off without any technical difficulties. But yes, I think you should be contacting Shaw and uh, complaining. Yes, for sure. yes, I will. And by the way, courtesy of Brass Bonanza, it's Nathaniel Street, Ezzy. Nathaniel Taylor and Nathaniel. Nice. I believe. There you go. The yeah, Nathaniel. So, yeah. Uh, Dallas is asking. So da- I can only make it to Saturday. Do you know which BP you're going to? Yes, it's going to be BP Taylor at Taylor and Nathaniel. Just Google it. If uh, I don't know the exact coordinates, but it's I don't know the address, the specific address, but we will have it more on our socials. I'm sure Mindell will be do- in charge of that. So uh, let's get back 
to, oh, and then I had some other questions. John and Dallas were asking about merch. I'm wearing the Illegal Curve hoodie from last year. The merch store will hopefully be open and we'll be modeling some new gear very soon. Yep. And the merch store will hopefully be open uh, to start the regular season. Yep. We've got some other exciting. I think, I think uh, actually, I don't know if we, we can mention this yet, but I think that on Wednesday's season opener, live broadcast at Boston Pizza, Drew will be modeling the new IC thong. <laughs> I said that you sh- couldn't, uh, you know, if you shouldn't, uh, I just don't want to hear it. So the fact that you just, you know, I'm thankfully I haven't had a big breakfast yet because I'd be, I'd be losing it, but let's get back to the Jets talk. So yeah, again, quickly, if you want to join us on Wednesday for the Jets opener, we'll be at BP Taylor. And uh, of course, if you can't join us, this show will be live from BP Taylor as per usual, as soon as the final puck drop ends and uh, we'll be rolling with the Illegal Curve postgame show. The first of 82 Illegal Curve postgame shows coming your way this season. And remember, we'll have a lot of new things coming your way as well. So be sure to hit that like button. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Those are all the things that help us out on this show. So let's get back into the Ehlers talk as because we were talking about that before everything went uh, chaotic. But I, I agree with you. Like he, to me, he's the linchpin, right? You've got to have, you've got to have something in that Perfetti, Ehlers, Niederreiter line. They have to be able to. They've they've practiced a little bit together, but they haven't had a game together. And I know that obviously is causing some consternation amongst Rick Bonus and his coaching staff to not be able to have those guys in any capacity, kind of working together to develop, you know, that chemistry. So Perfetti is learning with Niederreiter, which is is good because Niederreiter is a really you know a real smart player but they really do need that Ehlers element because Ehlers is a bit of a difficult guy to, to play with he's not an easy guy he's not necessarily a, a, a traditional you know you he'll go where you expect him to go he's not That's, a traditional north south player exactly That's for sure he likes to hang on to the puck he likes to go east west he likes to everybody you know has seen this where Ehlers circles has the puck and and circles around in the offensive zone and no one can take the puck from him because he's so fast. But you're absolutely right, Dave. And I also found it funny that earlier in training camp, Nito Niederreiter called Alex Iafalo, I think it was, or was it it Nemestikov? Nemestikov. Swiss Swiss Army knife. Yeah. When Niederreiter is, of course, from Switzerland, right? Which is why Kelly Kelly Moore cut in and said, coming from you, that's a pretty big compliment. Exactly. So that was pretty funny. Obviously, Niederreiter doesn't play center, but I would call him a Swiss Army knife in the sense of, you know, he can play on the second, third, or or fourth line, right? And Mm -hmm. he can can play on the power play, kill penalties, whatever. But I I think you're absolutely right, Dave. Like, Nick Ehlers is a key part of this team. I mean, when he was injured last year, we saw what happened. Um, so whether or not he plays with Wednesday, that line's going to be key because I think Shifley, Connor, Velarde is a much more of a certainty in terms yeah. of, of what you're going to get. Maybe not so much defensively, but that line's going to score a lot of goals. Like I wouldn't be, I, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that, you know, Velarde is going to score 30 goals this year. Connor's mm-hmm. going to score 50 and Shifley scores 40, right? Like that, that's your look. That's how good that line is. I mean, most likely all three of these guys are, are going to be at, at least above 25 goals. And when you're talking about Connor and Shifley, I think 25 goals would be a huge disappointment, right? So I think yeah. you want the Ehlers on that line. Hopefully he'll be back for Wednesday. If not, he'll be back for the game on Saturday against Florida. Um, but I think overall, right, like when you're looking at this team and their outlook, I mean, we know ultimately it's going to come down to defense. And mm-hmm. also the other thing too I wanted to mention, Dave, with Ehlers is power play, right? Like we've talked about this year after year, whether he's on the top power play unit or the second power play unit, I mean, that power play did not look good against the Ottawa Senators. And it, no. and it, quite frankly, I mean, they 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 had, I think, one or two goals in the preseason on the power play, but 
I mean, at times last year, that power play let them down big time. Yeah. So that's that's another area where I think Nick Ehlers can have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I'm I'm looking at. I mean, I think the Jets obviously want to start the season off, you know, on on a good foot, picking up some wins against some good teams. But you want that power play, I think, to be much better. It wasn't terrible last year, but I think at times last year, it really killed momentum for them. No, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the questions that Rick Bonus was asked about. Because the PK looks good, and it was good against Ottawa. I think they were... PK was Ottawa... excellent last year, and there's no reason to think it won't be excellent. I mean, the Jets yeah. have a top five PK, no doubt. Yeah, and, and they I think they were one for seven. I mean, there's which goes to show you there's just too many penalties in preseason. Uh, Nino Niederreiter was asked about that and kind of laughed about you know how, how the progression of too many penalties starting to wind down in, in, in the regular season and then in playoffs, basically anything goes and whatever, whatever, whatever they want to see happen happens because it's just uh, the refs, generally speaking, put away their whistles. But it's going to be, uh, you know, look, the, the team has a lot of question marks. I think that's ultimately what we're, we're talking about for this, this Jets club this season, right? You, you made the moves you did with the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And I think it's, it's now going to be, can Cole Perfetti adapt? Now, look, uh, just to be clear, I don't think there's going to be any issue of Cole Perfetti adapting to playing up the middle. I think if you listen to what Cole Perfetti's assessment That's where he wants of, to be, Dave. You know that. I mean, that's when he was exactly drafted, where he wants to be. When he was drafted in 2020 from the Saginaw Spirit of the OHL, they asked him, what do you, what, what position do you prefer? He said up the middle. Well, he said center. But the fact of the matter is that's where he wants to play. And they also so, didn't draft Perfetti 10th overall for him to be a fourth-line winger, right? Like, right. He's, he's got you know, 80, 90 point upside. I don't think it's, it's ridiculous to say that he's only 21 years old, right? 22 years old. So you're absolutely right. This is, this is the position that he was born to play. And I I do think he will succeed. Right. And, and again, it's just in terms of him and and his, his ability to stay healthy. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is he, he spoke about the ability, you know, seeing, you know, not having a wall basically to your left or your right, depending on where he is. But, but having the flexibility to go up the middle or either side. So you can just see the way he understands the game. And again, he's going to have to adapt. But we saw it in the AHL. You know, as a young 19-year-old kid who had an exemption, basically, to play in the AHL that, during that COVID year, he adapted. And, and uh, Pascal Vincent, who was the coach of the, of the Moose at the time, spoke about Perfetti's vision and how he went to the hard areas. And he'll do it in the NHL as well. I'm not, I really don't have a concern in that regard, especially giving him experienced wingers in Niederreiter and Ehlers potentially to really kind of help, you know, calm any nerves that the kid may have as he becomes a, a second line center in the NHL. But look, this is something that a position the Jets have been trying to fill since Brian Little, even when Brian Little was still on the team as, but, but specifically now that since 2019, when Brian Little was prematurely injured and, and of course had to ultimately not retire, but his career came to a conclusion. So the Jets have been hoping to find his replacement. They think they've got it in Cole Perfetti. It'll be very interesting seeing to see. And again, that's just one of many question marks these Jets have, but that's why they play the games. That's why we watch the games. That's why we talk about the games here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show because those questions become answers. That's an answer that's a comment, common saying, I should say, from Daniel Fink, who will be joining us after the break. Daniel likes to say that when questions become answers, we can ask him that when he does the intro to every single Moose game. We'll be talking to the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose, Daniel Fink, Right after these words from our sponsors, you are listening to the Illegal Curve post the post game show, the Illegal Curve hockey show on the Illegal Curve pregame show. There you go, pregame for the game on uh, on Wednesday. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve hockey show. I am your host, Dave Nuke. He is my main man, Ezzy Ginsberg. 
And we have been spending an hour and a half talking about the Jets, the NHL club of Winnipeg. But with no Mindell, I get to do what I want to do, which is, of course, talk about the AHL club of Winnipeg. And for that, there's nobody better to talk to than Daniel Fink, play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen, and the chat, which I can see is firing away. I always like this StreamYard because I can see what's going on and how everybody's chirping me when I start talking. So, so <laughs> Dan, you continue to have the best backgrounds of any guest in the history of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. There's always ice and players on the ice behind Dan. Like he, You are a true hockey guy. If there's, if there's one thing I'm going to get right in any of these online shows, whether it's you guys or us, it's, it's going to be the background. And sometimes that's uh, tricky, um, but uh, we, always, we always try. Well, that would actually be, uh, that would be warm-ups for the uh, inter-squad game that's just about to get going in about half an hour here. I was going to say, you've got the inter-squad game coming up with the Manitoba Moose. They're the only game in town right now with the Jets off. Uh, gallivanting or fishing or whatever they're doing but the fact is the moose are uh day four or five i'm not entirely certain of their training camp which got started earlier this week and uh one of the big moves that happened last night was uh 2023 fifth rounder or yesterday afternoon i should say thomas millich getting his first pro contract with the manitoba moose he'll assign a one-year ahl deal so daniel what have you seen from thomas uh a kid that folks in winnipeg are familiar with because they of course saw him with the seattle thunderbirds taking on the winnipeg ice in the whl championship yeah it was really cool yesterday to just see that reaction uh that the signing got signings are usually one of our better performing social media posts exciting time for everybody but uh uh, you could really see that a lot of people happy for Thomas Millich to sign that first pro contract and uh, what the future holds for him in the, in the weeks to come. We're not too sure. We'll see uh, if he's playing for the Moose, if he ends up playing for the Norfolk Admirals. We'll see how it all plays out. But uh, very exciting to, to at least get him on his pro journey and, and, and get him started on that. Of course, he would have been eligible to return for juniors, a 20-year-old, but uh, gets rolling in that pro career and uh, a guy who's just had success. <laughs> that's all you can really say he's just had success wherever he's been and last season was just so incredible whether it was the uh whl goaltender of the year uh whl playoff mvp i mean get the guy here that's got that winning pedigree so uh obviously a bit of an undersized goaltender as it stands these days but uh you know what it doesn't seem like he's a guy that lets anything stand in his way so excited to see how he progresses Dan, we got to talk about Parker Ford, and and you might be one of the only people that wasn't surprised at how well he was performing in in training camp and the preseason because, as you know, he played a little bit with the Moose last year, including the playoffs, uh, and and he produced. And, you know, Dave was all over Parker Ford talking about him and and before anybody really knew who he was. And, you know, he almost made the Jets' opening night lineup. And he's obviously going to start the season with the Moose unless there's some injuries. Um, but just just how impressed were you with what he did and, and what type of role are you expecting him to play on the Moose this year? Surprised at how Parker came in and the game he plays? Absolutely not. Surprised at the, maybe the success that he ended up having leading the Jets and scoring the preseason? I don't think anybody would have called that. But uh, when a guy comes in and just plays true to himself – and is just I mean, everybody saw it everybody got onto the parker ford bandwagon it's uh, the way he plays is the way you would like to see a lot of guys play uh he just puts his head down he's a little cannonball out there he's not the biggest guy but he's really solid he's a strong guy and uh 
he just brought that work ethic that's brought him through his hockey career to this point. I mean, he's a guy that showed up with the moose and was kind of like, okay, here's this Parker Ford guy. We'll see what he can do last few games of the season. We've seen it before. And he kind of won everybody over. And then he was on the playoff roster and played all five games for the Moose in that playoff series against the Milwaukee Admirals. So I think that actually tells you a lot about the kind of guy he is and the kind of game he brings that he was able to show up and immediately earn the respect and uh, trust of the coaching staff in, in such a short sample size in eight games. So now we'll see how that translates over a full season. I mean, you'll see uh, you guys get off to that great start in preseason, and then uh, maybe it takes a little bit to find their legs after that. But uh, when you play consistently the type of game that Parker Ford does, you're going to find success in the program. Now, Daniel, we don't know what the goaltending situation will look like. I'm, I, I have the opinion that Millich will probably start with Norfolk, provided Colin Delia gets put on waivers and clears waivers and, and ends up getting sent to the Moose. If that transpires, if that ends up happening, and you have a Salmon and Delia uh, tandem for Manitoba, how just how important will that be to have two veteran netminders for such a young team? They were a young team last year. They've got to be an even younger team this year with all the influx of Jets prospects. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Oscar Salmonen brings this season because he's a guy that came in with incredible numbers out of Finland and, uh, you know, <laughs> burst onto the scene at a shutout in his first AHL start. And, and then it was kind of an up and down season for Oscar, but an excellent playoff run. In those four games that he played for the Moose, he was outstanding to give the Moose a chance to win that series. So if he can bring that play and consistently provide that game in and game out rather than having a good start here and a couple of good starts and then maybe a tough one the third time out, then the Moose are going to be pretty formidable. I mean, we have a pretty good idea of what Colin Delia brings. I mean, he's a guy that's uh, started to rack up a pretty decent number of NHL games throughout his career. Of course, Dave, we saw him back in uh, 2018, absolutely stymie the Moose in that playoff series. So I was giving the gears about that uh, when I met him uh, at Jets Production Day a few weeks ago. But uh, that backbone is so important. And uh, Moose previously have kind of relied on that defense, that dynamic defense, Obviously, that's going through some changes now with players graduating or possibly graduating, I guess. Still pretty stout back there. But when you have that backbone of goaltending, especially in the American Hockey League, it's so important because I mean, well, in any hockey league, really, it just gives you that chance to win. If you're not giving up that so-so goal every game, it's like playing ahead because uh, you just you can trust your goaltenders and you know you're going to have that opportunity. You know, Dan, we want to focus on the upcoming Moose season, but I, I need to ask you about a few players. You just mentioned Moose players graduating, and Vili Hainala and Declan Chisholm are obviously, you know, part of they qualify, right? And you got you know those guys better than anybody. Um, and obviously, you know, we can we can talk about the Hainala injury, which is just awful for a guy who looked like he was making we don't know this for sure, but all indications were that he was going to make the Jets opening night roster. Whereas maybe before training camp, we thought there was a good chance he was going to play for the Moose. But I guess the the question if I can, you know, formulate it properly is, you know, how have you thought Declan Chisholm and Vili Hainal looked prior to that Hainala injury? Because it looks like Chisholm as well has a good shot at making making the opening 23-man roster. Yeah, I don't know if I can talk too much about how they've been playing with the Jets. I only ca- I don't catch all the preseason games sometimes. So, sure. um, but uh, uh, of course, absolutely just heartbroken for, for Billy. I mean, he's, he has had such a good camp. He put in so much work. He had the right attitude last season. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was tough at times because he's a guy that uh, kind of got that initial success and maybe shifted the expectation for himself, for the fan base, for everybody. And then he had to go through the process. And sometimes we forget just how young Billy Hainala still is. But uh, he's putting the work. 
uh, and was really making that push. And you could see just from the way the Jets reacted to it, from the, even just the building, uh, we were hearing about it. We, we were playing that uh, exhibition game against the Bisons, so just kind of hearing from the rink about it, and it's 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 so tough um, to see that happen. But uh, for both of those players, I mean, truly – uh, exceptional defensemen at the AHL level. I mean, they provide so much offense at the AHL level, and of course, uh, can manage their own their own business in their own end. Obviously, not the biggest guys, so they have to rely on positioning. They have to rely on quick sticks. They have to rely on being ahead of the play and using their feet to get them out of trouble. Things like that. And uh, two very exciting players to watch at this level. And hopefully, hoping well, hoping for the best for Billy that he's able to make a quick recovery. And obviously, there's still uh, still some cuts to be made for the Jets. And uh, we'll just fingers crossed that uh, that Declan can hold on there because it's always exciting when we can see those guys achieve their dreams. Well, speaking of guys who are down and you have been watching, Chaz Lucius and uh, Nikita Chibrikov, some uh, 2021 draft picks of the Winnipeg Jets, two very talented guys, uh, you know, and and looking to make their impact with the Manitoba Moose. So what did you see from from them so far? And it looked like I think Jeff Malott was playing with them as well to give them a little veteran experience with that group. But what did you see from that from that trio, but also from those two guys uh, looking to make an impact with the Moose? Yeah, they'll change things up a little bit here for this uh, inner squad game. It looks like uh, Chaz Luce is going to play with Jeff Biel and uh, former WHL first overall pick Stelio Mateos, the Winnipegger. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chibrikov will actually be playing with uh, Dom Toninato and CJ Cease. So a couple more veteran players uh, with Chibrikov. But uh, you know what? Uh, Nikita was uh, doing his thing all over the ice in that exhibition game, creating space for himself at a nice speed couple of nice feeds over to Wyatt Bon Giovanni, one of them ending up in the back of the net for Chaz Lucius. Of course, the important thing for him right now is to just play games. Obviously, the uh, the injury uh, last season, that, or a couple of injuries last season that held him back and uh, so disappointing after he got off to that electric start with the Portland Winterhawks. And then, of course, misses the end of the season. So I think the, the most important thing for Chaz is to, to stay healthy, get up to speed here, and then we'll see, let that skill shine through. Obviously, such a smart player knows where in the exhibition you open the scoring so uh looking forward to what he's able to do and i mean chipper is a bit more of an unknown factor I mean, we just haven't had a chance to really see him against ahl competition yet so it'll be uh, interesting to see once things get going and of course everybody's excited about the speed that brad lambert brings he's playing on the line with uh, parker ford and uh, jeff Malott here today so uh get some speed up the middle between a couple of guys who can really uh, create some space with the body yeah, and Dan, that's who I wanted to ask you about. We talked about a, a former Seattle third Thunderbird in in Thomas Millich, and then you've got to throw in Tyrell Bauer as well, right? Dave's been all over that uh, Seattle connection, but uh, I just wanted to ask you about what what has kind of stood out to you about Brad Lambert, because let's be honest, a lot of Jets fans, uh, you know, think the Jets got a steal by getting him with the 30th overall. I think it was 30th overall pick, 30th or 31st overall pick. It was late in the first round, I remember that. Um, but what has stood out to you? You mentioned the speed, which is obvious, but I guess what are realistic expectations for, for Brad Lambert? Because I think some Jets fans thought he might even crack the Jets lineup this year. Kind of tough to do with, you know, all the forward depth the Jets have with all the LA Kings that came over. But just what have, what's your assessment of, of Lambert uh, early on in training camp? Well, you guys know me and what I'm always going to come on here and preach is patience. 
been doing it for years and I will continue yep. to do it because uh, we, we want these guys uh, to, to jump right into the lineup. But, uh, and I think we saw it last year that uh, sometimes they, they need extra time. I mean, Brad got to the AHL and found some success his first couple of games at a few points. And, and then it kind of got into the learning stage where he's learning to play this uh, North American game, smaller ice. And again, playing against players that are far older than him and more experienced and more physically developed. And, uh, gets down to the WHL and lights the world on fire, right? Gets to play against his peers, gets to have fun playing hockey again and, and really let his skills shine through. And that's important. When you want players to be those top six, top line players, you need them to play that role. So he got to do that in the WHL and now the Moose will be looking for him to start to do that a little bit uh, at their end. So I, I guess I'll always preach patience. I never want to put expectations on guys uh, because this is this is where they develop. This is where they learn. So uh, the outlook is very different from today where it might be in four months when we're getting towards the end of the season. So uh, you just want to see a player like Brad be able to play his game, use that skill side, but also learn to be responsible because you're never going to be successful uh, at the next level uh, unless you're putting up 100 points a year. Coaches don't usually have too much patience for a guy that can't play defense. And even then, you still want to be reliable in your own zone. So that's a lot of the learning process and, and playing against those big players. And again, comes down to putting that work in the gym too. I mean, he's a young man, still still got to build out that frame and uh, it should be a lot interesting to, to see how he progresses through the season. We're joined by the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose, Daniel Fink, talking all things AHL hockey in Winnipeg. Daniel, you know, this uh, Moose Club has the opportunity because like you said, a lot of young guys and you don't want to put the weight of expectation of uh, instant success on their shoulders. And I think part of what helps insulate them from that is having good veteran players in the lineup. And the Jets, or the Moose, sorry, do have that. They do have that in the, in the form of Jeff Malotti, we've already talked about. Dominic Toninato, I think, is the consummate, uh, you know, guy to help these young players, you know, have the right attitude. You know, here's a guy who wants to be in the NHL. He's in the AHL, but he seems to always have the right attitude when he comes down to the AHL to earn himself that next chance to get back up to the NHL and and guys like Christian Reichel and, and I go on and on but I think that there's a number of good leadership guys in that regard to kind of insulate these young guys from that we haven't even mentioned Danny Zilkin there's a lot of young players who are just getting their first taste of pro potentially and you've got these guys to help insulate them from kind of that weight of expectation yeah those veteran players uh, I was talking about this with Jamie Thomas the those veteran players are so important. We'll go through the summer and Jets or any NHL team will make signings for those depth guys that might play in the AHL and fans might scuffle. Who's that? Why do we care about this? Plan the parade. You hear the things on social media. But these guys are so important to the future of your team. They're the guys that come in and have been around the block. They've played 300, 400 pro games, or at least over that 200 mark as you start to get into the more veteran guys. They're the guys who have been there. They've been through it. They've been in the trenches. They've worked their way through. And those are the guys that are imparting their wisdom, their experience onto your young players. And if you don't have that, if you don't have those guys to kind of solidify around the, excuse me, around the young players, it's so tough to build that winning culture because you'll note in the AHL, it tends to be the more veteran teams that find success. So teams that might be in a different place in the cycle, the Jets or Jets have built their way right now. So the Moose are going to be very young, especially up front. And that can be very tough. You're going to have tough nights, 
when you're playing against a more veteran team in the middle of January or February, and it's a real grind, and maybe you're on a 10-day road trip, but that's where guys like your CJCs, Dominic Toninato, Christian Reichel, um, Jimmy Olaney, of course, Ashton Sautner, these are the guys that have been through it. They know they can push through. They can set that example, and they're so, so important for those young players to learn from. I mean, we've been talking to a few guys uh, this weekend, uh, a lot of the Fords mentioned Mark Shifley uh, when they were at Jets camp, just being able to see his process and what he does and setting that example just by the work ethic that he has. So you translate that to the AHL, and now these guys are going to be spending not just a training camp, but like I said, months with these players, and that's who your guys are learning from for the next generation coming up. You know, Dan, you mentioned Mark Shifley. When he said this was his 13th training camp, I don't know if I've ever felt more old uh maybe when i see all the gray hairs in my beard but when he said this is my third behind you so oh it's unbelievable no you're you're a young buck dan um i wanted to ask you about wyatt bon giovanni because when the jets signed him the jets slash moose signed him uh well the first thing i said to dave was that's an amazing last name i love i love a good last name um but i didn't know much about him and he i think he scored 13 goals 14 goals last year for the moose and i remember you know, I obviously don't watch as much Moose, moose as, as Dave does, but I, I was always impressed by him. And he seems like a guy who, this is only his second full pro, pro season with the Moose after uh, he had a successful college career, but it seems like this is a guy who the Moose are going to depend on more this year. And he's a st- he's still young, right? 23 years old, 23 or 24 years old. Um, but it seems like, especially with some of the guys the Moose lost, it seems like you know he's going to play a, a more integral part of the Moose offense this year. Yeah, and, and I mean, for, for Wyatt, he's a guy that can really be that power play specialist for you, right? He can really fire the puck, and we saw that, too. obviously, his most memorable goal last year was that uh, Game 3 snipe on the power play uh, to give the Moose the win in overtime in uh, Milwaukee, but uh, that's that's what they're going to look for. him. He's got that wicked shot. He's can, he has a nose for the net, uh, scored, scored a couple in the exhibition game the other day, so if he can find some chemistry with some of these young players as well. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing. I mean, we'll branch out from White here, but you have guys like Daniel Torgerson, Henry Nikonin, who are into their second year of pro now, and will be also looking to, to make a next step. So uh, the Moose, make no mistake, have lost a lot of offense this offseason. I mean, they could start the season without six of their top eight scorers from the past season. That's a lot of offense to replace, and the Moose have brought in potential. It'll be interesting to see who steps into those roles, who's able to replace some of that production. Is it a guy like Wyatt Bon Giovanni or Daniel Torgerson who are able to make their mark and start to push up uh, the roster production-wise? Is it a rookie like a Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, Nikita Chibrikov, Danny Shilkin, those guys? Who's going to bring that offense? There's plenty of opportunity there for them to do so because of the holes that have been created by the turnover, by the cycle that the Jets are in right now with all these young forwards. So they're going to have their opportunity, the Wyatt Bon Giovanni's, really all these young forwards, they'll have their chance to make their mark and uh, they'll all be competing behind me here in a few minutes to try and show why they should get to start the season up the lineup for Mark Morrison. We're joined by Daniel Fink, the voice of the Manitoba Moose, talking about the AHL club of Winnipeg. Daniel, folks are asking why I'm not doing a Manuk Moose Minute. I'm like, this is a Manuk Moose half an hour. I mean, what are you talking about? This is what we're doing. We're This is the greatest joy is to be able to just chat AHL hockey. And, you know, you mentioned um, Daniel Torgerson, who is a player uh, that, you know, is expected to take a step forward and, and, and have a big season for the Moose. It's going to be expectation. I want to ask about a different Swedish second rounder, and it's Simon Lundmark, 
who had a quiet training camp with the Jets, but he actually looked, I thought, pretty effective when he got those opportunities with um, playing in some of the games for the for the Winnipeg Jets. What are your expectations of him? Because, you know, he's a guy who, he's he's like a Dylan DeMello type when people ask me to describe him. He's not flashy, he's not exciting, but he's consistent. And and again, that's, or that's the goal for him is to become that consistent player like a DeMello. But what have you seen from him in, in the short period of time that training camp has been underway for the Moose? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned quiet, and I think sometimes Simon Lundmark is at his best when you have no idea he's there, and that's not a slight by any means. Uh, he's just a guy who quietly goes about his business, and if things are quiet, it means he's shutting down every play around him. He's getting the puck out quickly, and, and there's not a lot of action happening. I think for Simon, last year at times was a bit of a struggle. He just kind of got into a five, six game stretch uh, where it was a bit of a fight for him and uh, was having troubles kind of extra giveaways, things like that, but he battled through it. I think that's one of the things that guys learn in the American Hockey League is you're going to have those stretches where it's a fight. You're not feeling great about yourself, but you have to work your way through it. That's exactly what he did. That's important experience. So uh, looking to a year, this is a big year for Simon. I mean, he's at the end of his entry-level contract, so uh, it's a bit of a, a year where he needs to show that he can make that progression. And while he was playing behind guys like Billy Hanel at Declan Chisholm, Leon Kibanka, uh, the list goes on with the Moose having that great defense that they've had over the years. You can roll back a couple of years, Dylan Sandberg and Johnny Kovacevic, guys like that. Now it's his opportunity to step up the lineup and be like, this is, this is my year. I need to show what I'm going to do this season and be that dependable defensive defenseman that at times can bring a little offense as well. So uh, we'll see what the season holds for Simon Lundmark and uh, what's going to be a very different loose back end this season. Yeah, Dan, just last question. I wanted to ask you about uh, Jeffrey Viel because he obviously was assigned to the Moose. Uh, you know, he spent uh, four or five years in the San Jose Sharks organization, kind of up and down between the NHL and the AHL. But I think when the Jets signed him, um, you know, people were looking at him and, and they saw the penalty minutes and we know that he's got the ability to drop the mitts and play a physical game but he also had 15 goals for the barracuda last year and you talked about it a little bit how much um you know the the moose are gonna it's gonna be more of a score by committee team not that it wasn't last year but when you lose a guy like jansen harkins i mean he's a guy that could have easily scored 30 plus goals uh for the moose so how important is is vl not just for his leadership and his ability to protect his teammates like you mentioned it's going to be a very young moose team again this year but how important is it to to, to have his offense because this is a veteran ahl player um you know who who can put the puck in the net maybe not at the same level as a guy like jansen harkins but you know like we talked about he has he had 15 goals last year for the barracuda yeah, and, and that, there's a guy that, uh, again, we were talking about the veterans and uh, they're still catching up to the roster. It's changing every day. So there's there's another good mention. I mean, he is in that uh, veteran exempt group just barely up over that 260 games, I believe. So uh, there's a guy that brings that hard edge and uh, can, like you said, drop the, drop the mitts and plays that physical game. I think we saw that in the preseason with the Jets. But uh, at the AHL level, seems to have a little bit of finish. Haven't had an opportunity to see him uh, apply his trade with the San Jose Bears. Barracuda, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into this boost group. But like you said there, uh, 
a guy that can kind of bring that physicality and chip in with 10, 15 goals a season, that certainly is some, a valuable asset to have in your back pocket for the Moose. And a, a guy that they had the last couple of years, Nevin Poli, kind of fit that role, brought the physicality, was a bit of a policeman out there at times and kept everybody in order, but could also come through with 20 plus points a season around 10 and 10. So uh, for VL, maybe the Moose are hoping that maybe he can take that a step further and be a little bit more of an offensive threat. So we'll see how this all balances is out to me it's certainly going to be an interesting start to the season for the moose well as he as he said it was the last question it was going to be the last question but just quickly daniel boys i, I got a game to get to here oh yeah that's true okay well i, I, yeah, I, I me, no i just wanted to hit you with one last one and it's just the importance of guys getting their feet wet in the organization and elias salamonson who is assigned by the jets to the moose and just spent a few days practicing with the guys we tend to ignore how important that goes for the next year when they're hoping to make the Jets to the jump to the organization. But can you just speak to that impact of what just, uh, you know, three or four extra days with the moves, getting to know the coaching staff, the players can do for a player when they come back the next year. Oh, it's huge. Whenever we talk to players about that opportunity, they say, oh, it helped me so much. And for the Moose this year, they have the advantage that Danny Jokin, Nikita Chibrikov, Dmitry Kuzmin, all these guys are Carson Golders, another one. We're at the we're with the team at the end of the season in the playoffs, no less. They didn't play mm-hmm. any games. But they learned a lot over those few weeks that they were with the team. And uh, talking to Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, they spent the beginning of the season in the organization, and they're so much more comfortable. They know the city. They know where they're going out to eat. They know where they're going to have a good time, things like that. They just come and play hockey and go to work. They know this city now. So uh, for Elias Salamonson, he gets that time with the Winnipeg Jets. He gets that time with the Manitoba Moose familiarizes himself a bit with the city, familiarizes himself with the organization. So when he inevitably comes back, He's just ready to go. Perfect. So, well, so where did Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert go in Winnipeg for a good time, Dan? <laughs> Probably a different place than me because they are young men and who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. All right, we'll let you get to the inter-squad game, which I believe gets underway in four minutes. We appreciate you guys not starting it till after the Illegal Curve Hockey Show comes yeah. to its conclusion. So thanks for joining us this morning, Daniel, and providing your insight on all things Manitoba Moose. Thanks for having me on. Remember, home openers coming up on Friday the 13th for everybody. But uh, yeah, but uh, you know what? There's great seats available. It's going to be a great time. And you know what? If you want to see Jets prospects, I mean, this year is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how it all plays out. So it's an exciting time for the Moose. And uh, we're really excited to see how all these young guys start to develop in their pro careers. And we'd love you to come along for the ride. Well, I'll be there, Daniel. You can be assured of that, but I will be a non-paying customer, but hopefully some of the paying customers will be there to uh, to witness the Moose hockey and, like you said, all those prospects uh, from the Winnipeg Jets organization. All right, Daniel, thanks very much for joining us. Enjoy the uh, intra-squad game. We'll see you at Moose Training Camp over the next few days. Have a good rest of your Saturday. Thanks a lot, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Cheers, thanks. Dan. Same you to too. you, Daniel. All right, there he goes. That's Daniel Fink, the play-by-play voice, the man with the real insight... Beauty. Yeah, he he knows the moose backwards and forwards. I only know the moose forwards. I don't know them backwards and right, forwards. Right. Daniel knows them backwards. It's like when and I used forwards. to play hockey, I could only skate forwards and I couldn't skate backwards, which was weird because I was a defenseman when I played for the River Heart, River Heights Cardinals slash yeah. Varsity View Falcons. So, well, but I could only go. go forwards. Well, and as we should mention, because I think that was a, a notable, um, you know, thing that happened was that Elias uh, Salamonson, the Jets. 2022 second rounder they love their swedish uh second rounders and yep. and he was 
the right side guy, big kid, made a real big impact, and it was interesting to hear. Well, he him. looks like he's a future NHL defenseman. Oh, I don't right? think like, no offense question. to yeah. some of the players that were in Jets training camp, but I mean, not everybody is going to graduate to be an NHL defenseman, especially with all of the current NHL veteran defensemen that the Jets have. Right, like right. a couple of years from now, you know, when there's some expiring contracts, there, there's definitely going to be some some opportunities. And Dave, you know this, but Elias Salomonson, I mean he looks like he's going to be a good defenseman in the future and he's really young. And what was weird or not weird, but unique is that the jets actually could have assigned him to the moose, right? Yes. Like it's not, that's not always the case when players are under contract overseas. Right. So it looks like there's a good chance. Sal Monson's going to play pro next year in the jets organization. Yeah. There, there's a very good chance. And and he's a, a really nice looking prospect and, and and people are really excited about what he's able to bring, what he what he looked like, and especially on that right side, especially with some of the question marks uh, for the next year or two uh, with the Jets. So I love be... his aggressiveness. That's what stood out to me. Uh, you know, like he's he was... got the skill, but he's aggressive defensively. Like the way he he bodies guys off the puck, he angles guys. Um, you know, you talk about the the active stick and everything like that. He's just a good all around defenseman. Like I think the skating is definitely. Uh, you know, a, a level skating. He's, yeah. he's, he, he really is. I don't like, I don't think the Jets expect him to put up Josh Morrissey type of offensive numbers two or three years from now. But I think the, you know, especially on the right side where we know that the, the, the depth is better on the left side. Right. I think, I mean, I think there's no doubt, Dave, that Elias Salomonson is the, the top Jets prospect on, on the right side. And yeah. it's going to be fun to watch him in Sweden this year. And then, like I said, I think everyone could play world juniors. Exactly. I think we're going to be surprised if he isn't, uh, you know, with the Moose or slash Jets next year. As he far trap thinks you're looking very handsome today. I I, I appreciate it. Is it fart trap? Is it fart trap or is it far trap? I'm going with fart. Either way, uh, I was always told by my dad to never uh, turn down a compliment. So I appreciate that. I, I don't know if I look any more handsome than I do um you know in previous shows but i'll take the compliment dave m is frozen so i hope hopefully dave is not going to be frozen at least i'm seeing a frozen dave m i'm not sure about anybody else so i'm not sure if i should continue talking uh but it looks like dave m is having some technical difficulties so hopefully he's going to be back with us momentarily um maybe i'll I'll start reading some comments i can't put comments up because I don't have that ability. Spency is saying RIP Dave, which I, I don't think that he has passed away, but he is currently frozen. Dave, anytime you want to come back, come back. I'm not sure if Dave's going to sign out. Uh, Baby Yoda is saying it's like a Lambert disappears if he is challenged by bigger players. Um, Jeff Bose is saying fart rap is drinking. So maybe it is fart rap. Um, what else should we talk about? Does anybody want to see me sing as we wait for? Oh, looks like Dave is back. Dave, you were frozen there for a good like thirty seconds. Yeah, I know. I was trying to have some uh, some fun with that, and look what happens. The the stream gods came down and stroked me down and 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 smote me down, I should say. And and now it's just all about the. Well, it was the Ginsburg experience. I couldn't get the the comment up there, but Spencey was saying R.I.P. Dave. I was saying that I don't think you have passed. Oh, um, I appreciate you. Definitely that, yeah. had frozen, so maybe it was. Uh, should have been R.I.F. Rest in frozen or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but I'm glad to have you back there because. We were about to go into the Ginsburg karaoke hour, and I don't know how many people actually wow. wanted to see that. Well, I, could you imagine, though, if like you just started randomly doing karaoke for a good hour, and then all of a sudden our views went from like, you know, all the people that are currently in there and went five times as many? I need, I need I know some I more tune cocktails in. if I'm going to do karaoke. I'm, I'm one of those people that, yeah, I have a, have a couple white claws, and then I start to loosen up a little bit. But 
Um, yeah, doesn't I mean, take much. Let's, let's just say that singing is not my forte. Well, whatever. We know what your forte is, and it's talking hockey on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the Illegal Curve Post Game, and show, eating. Eating which, is definitely and my eating. Forte. I was going to say, yeah. well, we'll do we do all of those things all in conjunction, and uh, we'll be starting with those post game shows coming up on Wednesday. Where's Frosty? How come Frosty hasn't uh, posted our sponsors up yet? I'm a little concerned about that, but it's uh, we're getting as I don't know where the two hours went, but we appreciate you spending your Saturday morning here on the. Oh, I think Dave M is frozen again. So something's going on with our StreamYard technology here. Something's going on with uh, the internet connection here. But uh, I think what we'll do here is we'll thank our sponsors because I see that Frosty Winnipeg has put up our sponsors. He always does. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. You got Jeremiah Watkins tonight, Charlie Demers next week, Linden Market De- Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Roly Transfer, Roly's Transfer, and Grid Park. Thank you very much for the continued support from our Illegal Curve sponsors. I'm not sure. Nope. See, Dave is gone. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Dave M today. So again, guys, you get the Ginsburg experience. So my name is Ezra, and I've been a member of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show for almost 15 years. Um, I enjoy long walks on the beach. I like submarine sandwiches. Um, what else do I like? I love my children. Ruben and Ariella. I love my wife. Um, I'm not sure how many people are watching right now. I'm not sure how many people are watching live. Uh, Dave M is not having the best show so far. He's having some problems upstairs with his uh, internet connection. So I think what we're going to have to do now is we're going to have to wrap it up. I'm not sure if Dave is coming, but we want to thank everybody for watching live. Drew Mandel, our usual host, is down in Atlanta. That's why it was just Dave Manuk and I. Okay, we've got Dave back here. This What's is, going on, I'm, Dave? You know, I mean, I was, I, I was getting so nervous frustrated. there. Like, and the left, worst part I was, was there for a minute. And the worst part was, I, you can't even end the stream. So this show would have just kept going and going. And I was so excited. I was like, okay, we're going to get the perfect show, two hours exactly. And uh, that's it. So I think, Ezzy, I, I think I heard you say goodbyes to all of our sponsors. So thank you very much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Enjoy the rest of your day. Any Jets or Moose news will, of course, be on IllegalCurve.com. You've been listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm Dave Manuk. He's Ezra Ginsberg. We'll be back on Wednesday for the first Jets game, the first Illegal Curve postgame show. Join us at BP on Taylor. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.